Hey everybody, welcome to We've Got Ward, a Doof Media podcast series where we expertly dissect and discuss Ward while those return to the world of parahumans. My name is Matt Freeman. And I'm and Scott Daly and... Oh! No, stop! Ah, oh, shit. Shit. I retched him. Ah, it's everywhere. Not again. Wait, he's still... he's still breathing. Scott, say something. This... this is the weekly podcast where Matt and I... Eagerly dive into Wildbus world of accidental mom crushing, long awaited catharsis, and alien based death powers as we analyze and interpret this ongoing web serial. This week, we are reaching what seems to be the climax of Arc 12 Heavens with chapters 12.8 and 12.9. It's Team Vicky versus Team Cradle, red versus blue, sternum punching versus limb slicing. Who will win? Matt, what do you think of these two chapters? These are some uh, intense climactic chapters. It's basically just like a two-chapter-long fight. Yeah. I, I, in, in fact, it extends into the previous chapter, too. Um, but there's there's even more fighting and less talking here. So it's, it's just very intense. And, um, you know, these are the kind of chapters where we tend to... In, in a relative sense, skim over the the combat. Um, yeah. Focus more on like what's happening under the surface with the characters. What, what what's going on? Why are they doing the things they're doing? And this is probably going to be no exception to that. I mean, we're going to talk about some of the combat, but uh, going to be mostly focusing on what is going on with these characters. Yeah, and and uh, we've said this many times before. We'll say it many times in the future. Uh, one of my favorite aspects of this book is even on these chapters that are heavy, heavy action based, um, you guys can still write 15 pages of stuff to talk about. So yeah. even though, yes, we're going to be skipping over the minute details of the the fighting back and forth. Uh, there's still a lot to say. Yeah. Uh, all right. Um, so quick announcements first. Uh, March Madness continues. What round are we on, Scott? We are on the Elite Eight. We are down to eight competitors, four matches this week. Voting is live right now, so if you haven't voted yet, head on over to doofmedia.com slash marchmadness and put in your votes. Stick around, and, and Scott and I are going to make our votes at the end of this episode, I believe. Yeah, yeah yep. the, as usual, at the end of the episode, we'll uh, recap last week's matches and then uh, make our picks for next week's. Cool. All right, let's get on into the chapters. Let's we do it. We begin with chapter 12.8, and here uh, the chapter begins with painting the scene for us. There's a lot of description that evokes light. We have this town that has the appearance of being on fire uh, because Subside has surrounded the area with motes, motes of red light. And then Byron answers uh, you know, the, the red light with his own constellations of blue light. So we have red and blue light, which harkens back to uh, those, those emergency uh, 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 red and blue lights from a few chapters ago. Yeah, I love that. That that those we we kind of start. That was the beginning of the arc, right? Um, I believe so. Or maybe the end of the last arc. One of those two, uh, where yeah, she was sitting there and and red and blue lights were flashing, and now here we are at the end of this whole thing, and still the flashing red or blue lights. Um, yep. I I really like this. I, I love like we kind of we're, we're setting the stage. This is the final battle, as it were, and we've got 
good guys on one side, bad guys on the other side. They've, they're color coded <laughs> with these moats. Um, and then in the middle, we have this town, this town that's kind of been thrust into this whole thing. Um, and, and one of the big uh, linchpins of this early part of this first chapter is who are these people going to end up siding with? Is these mm-hmm. people that are trapped in the middle of our two, two groups. Um, yeah. Right. That's that's something the beginning of the chapter dwells on a lot is, yeah. is the fact that the, the whole town smells like cigarette smoke because like everyone is outside um, kind of readying themselves for what's about to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the most interesting part of this this whole imagery to me is what Vo- Victoria is saying regarding Capricorn's moats. As she says, as glad as I was to know we had something, the color of the lights cut into my eyes. My eyes' ability to peer through the dark, the bright blue left spots in my vision and trails that persisted even when I looked away. So we have this, this, um, these moats that that Byron is creating to kind of like counter the red moats that are floating around from the enemy. Um, this this thing specific to to bolster their forces, and that same thing is a uh, is blinding Victoria, making her less able to see um, through the darkness, and is blinding her. Yeah, I mean, once again, continuing this idea that light has its 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 pros and its cons, right? Like it provides illumination, but if you look at it, it blinds you. Um, we're yeah. actually going to see an explicit instance of light being used against them in this chapter. Yeah. Um, and I mean, the thing that I like about that is it gets you thinking about, OK, well, we have this thing that's clearly imagery and, and symbolism, right? The, the, we've talked about color and light and the importance of all these things. And now we have this light that is that is serving a purpose to bolster them against their enemies, but at the same time is blinding them, is hurting them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that gets you into this whole thing that I think one of the things we're seeing in this chapter is, Matt, our, our, our characters here are winning finally. The tide is turning but they're all going through some pretty heavy shit. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think that's like, I think maybe, maybe that's one thing that this, this, uh, this blinding blue light that is both helping and hurting them is serving that they are taking steps and, and it is helping them in combat. But what is the, what is the, the after effect on them? How, how is this also damaging them while it's helping them win? Um, yeah. Yeah. Hopefully we're able to take the time to talk about how each member of breakthrough has been kind of, crushed by the events of this arc um one by one but yeah. yeah it's worth stating up front that like that's definitely something that's been happening in the background yeah or in the foreground <laughs> yeah. um but both both yeah right so etna is not with blue stockings team that's something that victoria notices um probably because victoria accidentally broke her neck earlier yeah. yeah sure we'll call that my my uh, speculation for the yeah. day oh is that gonna be your official speculation yeah i i mean like i think that's that's an interesting note that she's like looking out and she sees blue stockings team and it's like oh etna's not there it's like well yeah don't you remember how you you left that that whole yeah. engagement right you you suplexed her from an unspecified flying altitude um yeah i i, I mean I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised because she just kind of body slams her into a hill yeah and then just leaves and we, we don't really know like okay i don't think she's dead um i i i do think she's probably pretty severely injured and i i wonder like this seems like a small like throwaway moment right it's just like oh etna's not here but i wonder if like this is victoria kind of in her own way dealing with her stuff like i wonder if in the back of her head and, and maybe in, in her subconscious there's um a level of concern or guilt that ooh, maybe i Maybe I went too far on that one. And right. so it's just like, let's check and see where Edna's is. Oh, Edna's not here. Okay. 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 
That yeah. might mean nothing. That might mean something. Maybe. Right? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 it seems like a small thing, but I, I think it's worth pointing out that like she becomes increasingly vicious in these, in, in this, in these two chapters. Yeah. We're channeling some glory girl in these chapters. Channeling some glory girl. And I can't help but connect that to the fact that, you know, recently she just, she just did this, this fairly savage takedown of Aetna that was like, it, it wasn't like it was uncalled for. It was just like, it was not her normal routine. It, it was like, right. I'm just going to fucking put her down. I don't have yeah. time for this shit, you know? And so. that's, I, I think, I think that's a good general thing to say uh, at the top of this week's entire conversation is everything we say about the stuff that Victoria does to these bad guys. I don't think either of us are trying to challenge the fact that it was correct or necessary. We are just commenting on the change in uh, what our character is doing. Right. Yeah. Uh, and 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 again, like we're talking about with the flashing moats, what that might be saying about her state of mind as she uh, is doing these things that are on the surface completely justifiable. Right. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, she doesn't she doesn't spend paragraphs of like warrior monk cogitation and in, in, <laughs> right. in whether this is the right action or not. It's just yeah. and, and, and again, to your point, it. Part of it is because there's no time for that. They're in a life, yeah. a life or death situation. So, yeah. And I mean, I mean, the yeah. thing, the thing that jumped out of me about Edna specifically, and I know we're now re-talking about last week's chapters, but that, I mean, she was angry, right? And this, this like, it was calculated in that she was just at to a point where she was like, fuck this. I'm specifically mad at this one person and maybe put a little too much oomph in there just because of my frustration. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and again, totally needs to take this person down she's throwing globs of magma at people uh, but yeah it's it's she's she's getting more violent she's yeah. she's hurting people harder and, and and we are going to see that throughout this entire chapter yeah so uh what's happening now is foil and thing one discuss sniping cradle through the trees as he approaches on his mech but neither can guarantee a clear shot and the heroes need him alive so that he can reverse the dismemberment effect. Mm -hmm. So I, I like actually like this element that that you know up front in this chapter, this nice wrinkle is added that the good guys aren't just at a disadvantage in terms of being outnumbered and outgunned. Um, they also can't even kill the main bad guy who now has extra powers who's trying to kill them. Um, they 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 have to get a non lethal takedown because they need yeah. the information. Man, isn't being a good guy just exhausting? Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's like you you always have to fight with your hands tied behind your back, always. Yeah. Um, doing the right thing is always harder than doing the wrong thing. It's true. It's being true. bad is quicker, easier, more seductive. Yeah, yeah. But not it's stronger. Not, not, I mean, I mean, worm protagonist is pretty strong. <laughs> I'll move on to that comment. Did you just compare her to the dark side of the force, Matt? <laughs> Uh, How dare you? I, it's hard not to. So Tattletail gives them direction on who they should try to pick off. Um, he, she says, Myosha, in all caps, um, who Victoria had been calling Red, the, the, the woman with the machinery power, the, mm -hmm. the machinery shaker power, and Prong, who stabs people with light horns. Um, it made just in this moment, I was wondering, like, is Tattletail picking out these two based on the danger they pose or... Is she factoring in knowledge about like them being particularly bad people? Um, and, I, and I wasn't really sure because I'm not really sure at this point in time how Tattletale evaluates such things. I, I would lean toward her being like, take them out because they're the biggest threat. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, but anyway, shortly after this, when the shooting starts, Victoria does give foil and the harbingers the go ahead to shoot um, those two. And we never um, we never see that happen, correct? We never uh, see them taken out, but she, they uh, also are not in the fight. Really. Yeah. Myosha gets, I think, shot in the leg by foil. Yeah, you're right. And yeah. I don't know what happens to prong. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. look, I, I again, I think this is fine. Like they're having a very rational discussion about what they should do. It does. It just felt a little weird for me to people like casually talk about like, okay, which one of these are we cool with assassinating this one? No, no, not that one. Do this one, do this one. And then, um, and then (laughs) we have Tattletail come in with this thing about, um, about prong where she says, wanted to hire him once. He said, no, he was busy. So fuck him. Um, and I'm not saying she picked him specifically as one that you could execute because of a personal vendetta against him for being rejected. But to introduce that element into a conversation while you're talking about which of these people we should feel cool about assassinating is just a little bit off putting. Right. Right. It's like I'm not saying it's it's specifically because Tattletail has a vendetta against this guy who rejected her. But uh, thanks for bringing that into people's heads. Yeah. Lisa, thanks for that. And, you know, here is where I want to mention something that I, I don't even know if I fully made the connection until this moment, but I, I, I kind of half made it before now, which is that Victoria gives a lot of orders um, and she even thinks of them as orders in the text because yeah. it'll say words I ordered. Um, and they're not the clearest orders because she gives permission to shoot these two with absolutely no specificity as to whether they're to be killed, right? Mm-hmm. Foil being a hero and being who she is, um, it, you know, you have to assume intentionally uh, tries to shoot Myosha in the leg, to take, takes her down rather than killing her. Yeah. But you have to also assume the Harbingers would have interpreted that order as kill. Right. I mean, that's what I would, <laughs> that's, that's, that's where my head goes. So, yeah, and, I mean, and, yeah, you could argue that that order she gave at the end of last chapter that was like, you can only do this much damage, only a month's worth, right? Like yeah. in her head is all encompassing to every order she gives. Yeah. Right. Right. And uh, just to clarify, I'm not saying like Victoria's a crappy leader. I actually think she's an amazing leader. Uh, but it's worth pointing out like this is the kind of thing that if you are a leader, you you actually feel remorse about later where you're yeah. like going over things and you're like, oh, shit, I I. I I didn't give a clear instruction. That's why this happened. Right. But like at the time in the heat of a, a battle, that's that's exactly what is like inevitably going to happen is yeah. you're you're trying to say things in like the fewest words possible and leaving it leaving it up to other people to interpret and, and enact your orders. Um, and so I guess the reason I'm bringing this up isn't to say like oh, Victoria needs to work on her on her verbal skills. I'm, I'm saying like I, I, I wonder if she's going to hold this against herself later specifically one one quote-unquote order that she's going to give later on that could be clearer um, yeah i i don't i i don't think you're wrong at all i think that's knowing victoria that's probably not going to be something she's able to let go of very easily i do think i don't think we specifically pointed this out in the script but i do really like um I, I like her leadership in this, these chapters, right? Like, I, and I think it ties in very well with her kind of fuck this shit. I'm just going to like, I'm going to give you orders and you guys, you assholes are going to listen to me because that's, that's the type of leader she is throughout the rest of this, this, these chapters. Right. Yeah. Um, it's like rain back off, do it. Like it, she's, she, she's in the, like 
one of the reasons why they win is because she is kind of tossing out these orders um, and they are listening to her and she is now trusting that they are listening to her. Yeah. Yeah. And and to repeat myself, I think it's crucial that the text is actually saying, uh, you know, rain back off. I ordered it. Right. It's, it's not I said. And I don't I didn't do the control F to verify that this is a change. But I feel like this is a change. Like she she didn't think of herself as like barking out orders previous to this um, this arc and maybe even this specific fight. Yeah, well, I remember we talked for a lot uh, in the earlier parts of this book about how her leadership of Breakthrough was very tenuous, right? Mm-hmm. Like she never really like was comfortable saying, yes, I am the leader of this group. That is who I am. It's just she kind of gravitates towards it. And we find out the reason why she gravitates towards it is because of her mother and, and the type of training Carol gave her. Um, but it was always like a very kind of reticent type of leadership. And now in this situation, she has grasped that full force. And it, I mean, it helps that uh, that Tristan is not around, um, who mm-hmm. is normally one of the guys to jump into that leadership position. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I do I do think that is a shift. I don't think she was quite giving out orders or her internal monologue was calling them orders. So, yeah, we didn't do the control find. But I think I think your perception is correct. OK, cool. So uh, it turns out Blue Stocking is unhappy that Victoria has brought the fight to her literal doorstep. She wants more goodies like concessions from the mayor and she wants to borrow breakthrough members if she can't get that as part of their deal for her t- for her team sort of um, supporting Victoria's team through this. Yeah, and this uh, this reminded me of a scene a couple arcs ago in arc 10, Matt. There was right when Victoria was trying to stand up the her new uh, hero organization and they were like going out and there was some some controlled successful strike forces against some enemies um one of those groups that their organization took down was a group called the growers court and this was a group of people who took seeds machinery tools infrastructure from the city but then when it came time to pay taxes when it came time to uh give some of their crop back to the city they basically refused they said no um and they kind of closed themselves off and um this pissed off our group and they Mm -hmm. took these people down and they were very you know content with with taking these people down like tristan um tristan was mad about it right there was like this kind of rain's kind of explaining what happened and tristan like jumps in oh you mean those guys that took all the stuff and didn't get anything back um and now we're now you know a few arcs later we're in the situation where they have to make this a very similar deal to that to this group that is what uh, blue stocking wants she wants preferential treatment we get the benefits of being attached to the mega city we don't want to have to pay the cost we don't want to pay taxes we want preferential treatment um, and they're in a situation now where one of the groups they were crushing and happily stopping because they were doing these same things uh, is something they have to agree to deal out to another one yeah and you know it's one of the situations where you can empathize with blue stocking asking for something like that but all, all it actually does really is like breeds resentment against your group if you have a special position like that. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah I it, it, it is interesting. Yeah, I, I definitely didn't make that connection to the Grover's Court. I think that's I think that's great is like they're they're basically this is a, a cool like parallel showing that Breakthrough is having to make these compromises on things that they would normally care about and, and where they would maybe normally draw a line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's a good point. Yeah, and of course, the, the second part of that deal, right, the penalty deal um, is uh, that they they two members of Breakthrough have to come work for Blue Stocking and her group, and they have to be seen working for them, right? So if you can't give us preferential treatment, I have to show that I have the ability to command heroes. Um, and 
Victoria negotiates this down to one person. <laughs> yeah. In her in her brilliant negotiating tactics, which which include tell Blue Stocking, fuck her. Yeah. <laughs> it's just it's just brilliant. Right. Um, but I mean, I think like I think someone pointed this out to me on Twitter, and I think they're absolutely correct that probably one of the reasons why she was so set on negotiating it down to one person is because then she can go, I'll do it. Right. She can take yeah. it on herself and be like, I'll be the one that goes and, and, and fulfills this part of the deal. She doesn't want to make anyone else on her team do it. She's going to be the one to do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. Um, you know, and, and we've observed before that Victoria doesn't have the highest social modifier. <laughs> no. um, but like <laughs> during this fight, it's it's getting it's getting worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, and, and again, because she's under stress, like like n- even under nor- normal circumstances, she can be um impatient with villains yeah but 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 just being like oh yeah and also tell her fuck her that's yeah. that, that's like um just it's the, the the degree to which she is is just really over the edge of being tired of of villain shit yeah yeah it's really well, evident here and then in a few minutes when she's like flying around fighting she's like blue stocking you better cut me some slack on this deal we just cut and blue stocking is like the reason that I'm being attacked right now is I cut the deal. Like, like what, what did right. you expect? Right. And, and she and Victoria, to her credit, doesn't respond to that. Right. She's so. <laughs> like, fuck, she's right. Yeah. Right. Uh, so then Victoria uses a um, a, a, a porch uh, <laughs> as a mobile shield to cover the movement of her allies, protecting them from gunfire with the giant piece of architecture. Um, then there's sudden chaos and confusion as the team is flanked by blue stockings group. Uh, on the offensive, New Wave is actually able to react quickly and gets everyone down, taking advantage of their immunity to light-based attacks. Before the heroes can counterattack, uh, Tattletail manages to communicate that Blue Stockings group is being held hostage by Paris and, and not just uh, double-crossing them. Yeah, so there's a few things I think uh, that are worth talking about in this moment. I think in, in retrospect, this moment where... Um, Mark says to Victoria, throw up your force field and close your eyes. Um, And Victoria has to like frantically, like while blinded, run away from him before she can throw up her force field because, of course, of the wretch is actually like a low key, pretty good setup for what happens at the end of this chapter. Right. Because like it it establishes that both Carol and Mark do not know about the wretch, um, which is something we probably knew, but it's at least reminding us of the fact. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I mean, yeah, we we must have known simply by omission, right? Right, right. Um, but yeah, no, that's definitely a, a good a good subtle way of priming us for that. Yeah, and then of course we the 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 misinformation to begin with, right? Because you're right that there's this sudden eruption attack from Miosha, Miosha, whatever, um, and everything is thrown into chaos. We the readers immediately think the worst has happened. Blue stocking has been flipped She's now on Cradle side, and I think I think we're kind of built to expect the worst at this point because like we've had an arc of things just getting worse and worse and and our hero is not getting very many wins so i think like the the text is kind of turning into that and i think it does it again later in a couple chapters but um we have this moment where suddenly carol yells no mark commands her something mark mark tells her we're going to do this one technique they go back to their their old strategies and mark tells her that and carol says no and she it makes her hesitate and then tattletale says no and victoria listens right like Mm -hmm. if victoria had just followed her father's orders and thrown her mom (laughs) or or just like this struck out and attacked like she was told to things could have gone really really bad but um she listens to two 
people that she doesn't really like listening to very often here. Yeah. And I think that's, I mean, you get Amy in here and have her yell no, then it's the trifecta. Yeah, yeah, it's true. No, that, that that's true. Yeah, like, it's, I think, I think now that Tattletale has been humbled, Victoria isn't really feeling like um, their rivalry has much substance in this exact moment. Yeah, so, I, I, yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, um, and, and then the thing with Carol right now is, is it's interesting. I don't remember in this, at this, in this scene, I don't remember if she's Carol or Brandish or mom. Um, cause that becomes relevant pretty soon. Uh, cause she, she changes it, but, mm-hmm. but anyway, I don't remember right now. I don't know off the top of my head either. Um, yeah. but yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely get there when we talk yeah. about the thing that happens. Um, but anyway, yeah. So they realize, you know, so, so Victoria, badass Victoria hero moment, like flies up and attacks and finds thud in Paris taking cover behind the cooperating villains. She kicks Thud's finger into his own eye socket, uh, which basically puts out one of his eyes. And then she punches Paris in the chest at full strength, crushing his rib cage. Um, and as he's like suffering and try and, and like perhaps instinctually draws out one of his long railroad spike weapons. Um, she says, give me one more excuse and I end you. Ooh, ooh. Um, just to, before we go on, I just, while you were talking, I looked it up. Uh, it's mom. It's mom okay. in this chapter still. She says, mom said no. Mom said this. Mom said that. So okay. there you go. You were, you were correct in that. And I think that makes the change in the next chapter all the more significant. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, Victoria just beat the shit out of some people. <laughs> yeah. Just crushed, crushed your rib cage. You, yeah. you, you know, that's a, that's a rather important part of your anatomy. Yeah. Um, let's make one thing clear here, Matt. Fuck uh-huh. Paris. Yes. <laughs> fuck him fuck this stud guy we don't know him that much but yeah we'll toss him in fuck that guy yeah, uh, they he, suck and they yeah. deserve it right uh thud we're, we're pretty sure was part of the attack on on the on the navigators right yeah so yeah. we'll yeah. put him in that bin fine right but however this is this is this is full glory girl right yeah. i mean this is this is brutal um possibly necessary violence and I, like, and while I'm glad to see these guys taken out, I'm not sure if we're supposed to be cheering on sternum shattering. Um, yeah, well, like, it's interesting because I am, <laughs> <laughs> but but I'm I'm definitely open to the idea of of like kind of stepping back from the story and and monitoring how our girl Victoria is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but but like in this moment, you're just like fuck yeah, like, like <laughs> right, right. There's something. There's some like obviously like. I think it, it really goes back to that one moment where Victoria said, right? Where like, yeah, you can feel good about the you can feel good about the bad people suffering, but like don't don't feel too good about it, right? Like yeah. like measure how bad you feel about feeling good about it, right? Um and I think that's where I am with this, where I'm like, yeah, but also yay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I mean we'll take her word for it that she that she non-fatally broke several of his ribs and maybe his sternum. So he's yeah. going to be out of commission for like a really long time. Give him some time to, as the Harbinger would have said, let him rethink his life choices. Um, <laughs> right. So. Right. But I mean, like, I think the text like shows the, like I slammed my foot into his hand with all the strength I could bring to bear. Right. Yeah. This is full strength, Victoria. This is no holding back. This is every bit of strength she has in this moment. Um, and it's like, whoa, we haven't yeah. seen that before. Um, and yeah, like, like 
sternum and ribs shattered. They just didn't, they didn't break, Matt. We just didn't say, oh, I broke his ribs and his sternum. They shattered. Yeah. Sternum, you just turned his sternum into projectiles and there's a lot of squishy stuff under it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think Paris is like dead, right? I, I like obviously we see Damsel use him as a hostage, so he's still he's not lying there dead, right? Um, but dang, yeah, dang, yeah. And and I love the the point after, um, the point after he was laid fat, he, like after she shatters his sternum and ribs. Her next thing she says is he was laid flat, obviously enough. And I don't know, that's just like. It's just like it's cold in like a like uh, I'm not vindictive isn't the right word. Maybe it's just like it's just like, yeah, he's obviously enough. Right. Right. (laughs) With. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like sarcastic. Right. Right. Uh, So Thud then poses a problem as he seems to be able to create powerful concussive shockwaves by punching things. Guess that finger didn't go into that Thud brain. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 scary. Mm-hmm. Uh, Damsel and Swan. So okay, so sorry, we're I, I'm I'm reading text now, qu- quoting. Damsel and Swan Song didn't move in coordination, but more out of a kind of competition, each trying to outdo the others to move further, faster, and more frenetically. They zigzagged across each other's paths to cut one another off, and somehow they were more scary in this than they'd been as two wolves in a pack on their hunt, as I'd seen briefly just a little while ago. Um, so first of all, I just love this image of, of, of them like frenetically, like rabidly approaching. (laughs) Um, and, and then the, the explicit contrast with them hunting in tandem and, and being on the same wavelength and how this is like, like pointing out that it's more scary. Like, yeah, it does. It does sound more scary. Um, this is a great image. Yeah, and I mean, it's also like we've been seeing this relationship between these two people um, go from friendly kind of ribbing to almost a complete deterioration by the end of it, right? Like, I mean, like we they've been barbing against each other and it's turned from friendly to to vicious and now like they've turned from cooperation to competition and we've seen like it's it's slowly over the course of this this arc this relationship has kind of deteriorated from whatever it was and i think we're gonna hit that beat over and over again throughout these two chapters like throughout this entire fight we keep going back to ashley and damsel and keep emphasizing um the competition between them the ribbing between them um ashley's observed failures from damsel's perspective i think we're really building up to some to to this relationship between these two sisters coming to a head um at some point soon obviously not in these chapters but at some point soon um this something is gonna change dramatically in this relationship yeah i mean i felt like the moment when damsel slashed her her on on, on the shoulder with with her blade was crossing a line for ashley because i mean I think that's first of all that's that's associated with her trauma and anyone yeah. like like literally physically abusing her that's that crosses the line from just like mean spirited um bullying uh in into into like truly abusive behavior and yeah. I, don't, I don't think she's going to I don't think the relationship is going to come back from that honestly. Yeah, and I wonder if this is like I wonder if at the start of this relationship Ashley hoped that maybe she could save Damsel and like bring her to where she had gotten. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe by the end of this chapter, it's more, um, I don't see hope for her. She's made her choice kind of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I, mean, I, I never want to write anybody off in this no. story, but 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 like that's I feel like their relationship right now is that is is at a very very low point. It wouldn't be surprised yeah. to see it um, just just uh, deteriorate completely. I also yeah. wonder what this means, you know, for Ashley and her progress, um, because one of the one of the beats we're going to hit over and over again throughout these chapters is Ashley is quote unquote failing. Right? Um, we see like she's um, unable to do things. I think I'll wait to talk about this because I think we've highlighted all the moments throughout these chapters where um, Ashley's weaknesses are perceived or otherwise come to bear in some way. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So as the team converges on Thud, Damsel takes Paris hostage and Thud appears to give up just before Harbinger blows up his remaining eye. Yeah. And I think you've, you've captured the, the most important part there that uh, he was going to give up. The text specifically says Thud pauses and then it says then he relaxed um, and all indication of relaxing is OK, you've got me. I'm not going to do anything to you because you have my friend hostage. And then, bam, explosion in the other eye. Um, and Victoria doesn't take this well, right? Yeah. Her initial reaction is, I take in one eye. Was that somehow licensed to the Harbinger to take the other? What had Citrine, Citrine sent me? Worse, what did it say that she was okay employing little monsters like this? Did she use them in this kind of capacity? And like, like I get, I get why she's very uncomfortable with this, right? Because she didn't give this order. She didn't tell them to take out a Thud, right? Like that, that was yeah. never an explicit order given. Um, and And they did it unnecessarily like as we said we we saw him relax now i'm sure i'm sure the number boys would happily make the argument well we didn't know for sure he could have just been about to plan something else yeah um, but it is it's definitely something that 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 is settles uncomfortably with her and maybe it's you know the fact that she just did it first right like like it, it, she calls them little monsters and they did something that she had just done herself and maybe this is her kind of like um uh, way of of maybe kind of dealing with the fact that hey i just did that too um and, yeah and she she's not at this point she's not like able to turn on herself and be like and, and chastise herself but so she's kind of maybe projecting her anger and disappointment on them Right. And, and, you know, our discussion question is about blame, right? The, yeah. And we're going to talk about that, you know, later on. But the, the reason I bring it up now is like she is she does seem to be in this moment um, trying to blame the Harbingers, trying to blame Citrine, trying to find some way that, that this is not on her, right. uh, which is actually kind of unlike her. But uh, she is facing kind of having just been a, a part of giving someone a, a horrible maiming, um, yeah. which is kind of a, a thing for her. Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, like, what did it say that she was okay employing little monsters like this? Did she use them in this kind of capacity? And it's like, I know, I know Citrine sent them to you, Victoria, but you are currently using them in this kind of capacity. Like th that is something you are doing. And, Again, I don't want to have a conversation about whether this is quote unquote necessary or not. These are bad guys. They need to be taken out. That's not what we're arguing. What we are arguing is um, something bordering hypocrisy here. I don't think it's quite the same because I think I, I do think these two situations are very different. In one situation, Thud was holding someone hostage uh, and she she damaged him to free that person in this one. Thud is surrendering to someone else's hostage maneuver uh, and then is a damage. So they are different, right? But 
it it is it is telling and interesting yeah. to at least you know think about i i think it's just speaks to the level of discomfort that she has with this whole situation that she's she's not quite sure yeah of of it and, and of her role in it i think that's right i i think i think you're absolutely right that the, the, the discomfort uncertainty about all this and and she's not able to really process through the complicated nature of that uncertainty right now because she just doesn't have the luxury um but it, but this is something i think our girl is going to be looking back on this day for a while yeah you know no matter no matter what it what it, how it turns out uh especially since it's about to get a whole lot worse for her right um but before we move on, we we do have this one moment that I just wanted to bring to attention on our our further Ashley Swan Song Damsel conversation. Uh, there is this moment that that Swan, Damsel says, "Losing your edge, sister," and and Victoria wonderfully goes, "Stop, no." <laughs> it's just like it's really good. But again, this is this is this is kind of drawing out and demonstrating this. Uh, increased tension between these two people they are barbing each other even though it is very clear that this is not the time and and we know swan song's kind of done with the shit and i think the thing i love about this is we don't hear swan song respond like she doesn't barb back she doesn't give like a a, a plucky response um she's silent here she says yeah. nothing i think i think the text says that swan song gives victoria a long look yeah and which which i like i i'm kind of tracking in the background the the evolving victoria swan song relationship where you know they start off this chapter um literally leaning on each other yeah um and 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 swan song seems to be increasingly accepting of of actually just following orders from victoria yeah and and being comfortable with her being the leader and um and and maybe coming to respect her in you know in in that capacity in a way where it's just it's just not going to be an issue for her anymore um yeah I'm not sure that that's what's happening because she hasn't, you know, like we haven't had them have a conversation about it or anything like that. But there's definitely been a lot more of of Ashley just, you know, see, seeing Victoria's family and what that's like, seeing Victoria be a good leader through a lot of a lot of bad situations. Yeah. And and then just them obviously caring a lot about the same people. It's just brought them really close together. Um, I think you're right. And I love it. I love it too. And I do think there's a part of Swan Song that probably really appreciated Victoria's fuck all of you speech. Right. Yeah. I think I think that's the type of leadership where Swan Song's like, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's a really good that's a really good point that I hadn't put together that like right now the, the leadership style Victoria is is using is it's very is Swan basically the, yes, the, the ranting <laughs> the ranting villain style which would which would appeal to her. Yeah. Excellent, yeah. excellent. Um yeah. So while this fight with Paris and Thud resolves, Cretan has turned much of the town into a maze, rising up skyscraper high. Victoria and a few allies enter the maze as well, and Cradle's mech smashes through a building and into the vicinity. Meanwhile, the maze has corralled the breakthrough siders into a small area, and the heroes are fighting to keep from being surrounded too thoroughly. Cradle is trying to fight Rain in close quarters, teleporting around him and using his light blades to limit movement of allies. All the allies are trying to tag him in turn, but he continues his dialogue with Rain, accusing him of thinking he's better. Ah, uh, can we just talk about just the geography of this scene? Because mm-hmm. I it's I love it. Yeah. It's so we're we're at a clearing. Um it doesn't say in the center of the maze, but we're at a clearing in Cretan's maze. Um 
there are hallways coming out at the cardinal directions. Rain is in close quarters combat with Cradle while each of their teammates are standing at one of the cardinal directions um, trying to prevent people, other people from prevent the bad guys from getting into the clearing while also all trying to take snipe shots at Cradle. Um, it's this wonderful like this is the climax, right? This is so clearly created and formed to be the climactic moment. This clearing in the middle of a giant maze. It's such a wonderfully like it's a wonderful aesthetic. I, I love it so much. I can I can see this this battle unfold. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The, the whole the whole maze setting is. Yeah, it makes things, you know, claustrophobic, uh, yeah. which which works really well. Yeah. And then there's this this one line like. Victorious's cradle just kind of, as you said, he just kind of busts through a building. Um, he just kind of, kind of dives right in. Um, and Victoria says, I expected the undersiders and breakthrough to be scattered. It wasn't the case. And so like she, she comments that cradle is doing what she normally does, which is when she's uh, against a large group of enemies, she kind of throws herself right in the middle of them. And then hopes that, that her barging right in the middle is going to confuse them and scatter them and, and break their cohesion. Um, but the one thing she notices is this group does not scatter. It does not break. The cohesion continues. We have people all uh, surrounding cradle working together, you know, like it's kind of like all the, guys surrounding and fighting off the big powerful person it's it's it is community it is teamwork it is everyone coming together <laughs> yeah absolutely it, it's a fantastic battle um and, and i think we're going to point this out a few times where it just everyone is doing something clever yeah constantly and, and that's actually what makes this a hard fight to summarize is that like every paragraph is like three different cool things that right. that like different people are doing to try to solve the problem in a creative way using their power in some interesting way. Yeah. So I I, I basically just copy pasted every line of dialogue Cradle has in uh, this entire chapter because I, I love them all. Um, I don't think we have to re go through every one of these, but I wanted to talk about what you said at the end there that, that Cradle is, is arguing that you think you're better and you're not. That, that you've decided you're better. Um, I see you. I see your weak points. I see your flaws, your stains. Um, and we learn a little bit later in next chapter that the reason he sees that is because that's kind of his emotion power, right? Um, yeah. But, but then we have Cradle say at the end here, the difference between us is that I overcame what I am. Then association with you knocked me all the way down and made it impossible to be better again. You, you didn't overcome what you were until we made you, until we influenced you. And that's, I mean, that's fascinating. Um, and I think we're going to be talking about Cradle and, and why Cradle loses a lot in the next chapter. But this, this general idea of, um, I, I did this of my own accord and then you screwed it up you only did it because someone else forced you to. And that might be true, but look at what side you're on right now. <laughs> like, right. Like uh, that's, I mean, that gets into our blame discussion. I don't want to bring that up uh, prematurely, but um, this is, this is, this, this is the beginning of, of cradle defining what I think is his blame others. Yeah. His right. Blame others methodology. He, uh, if you ask cradle, if Cradle's to blame, nope, none of it, none of it. Right. Um, it made it impossible to be better again. What you did to me made it impossible to get back to where I was. And I don't know if his, I, I don't know if I agree that what we saw in his interlude made that to be 
a true statement, right? I, I, do, I don't think the decision he seemed to have made or, or the things that happened to each other was really like, it is literally impossible for me to get back to the way I was before. Yeah. And he says similar things in the next chapter too, where, where he's like, I'm, I'm physically incapable of it. Yeah. And, and, and like, I mean, that's interesting. Like, does he believe that to be true? Like, I, I, it seems like he does believe that to be true. Like, yeah. like why else would he say it? Right. Like yeah. he, there's no reason that he, he doesn't need to persuade rain or Victoria of anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so the fact that he's saying it means that he believes it, which is interesting. And, and it really is just a continuation of, of his kind of ethos of yeah, like, it's, it's you took me from me. Yeah. That's the same. That's yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I just want to get back to, you know, to, to the way things were basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But so, he can't. yeah. And yeah, like, and, and he accuses, you know, like you said, he accuses rain of, yeah, we already talked about that. Well, but I mean, but the, the interesting thing about that is, is like his argument is, you didn't get better. You didn't overcome like rain and cradle are actually very similar in some regards, right? Yeah. They were both dealt a raw hand. Um, cradles is a, 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 a personality disorder. Rain's was indoctrination into a cult. Um, and both of them at different points in their lives managed to overcome it. Um, but the argument that rain's doesn't count because it happened after uh after this this life-changing event is i think i think cradle kind of showing his weakness here because he he sees this event the only the only result of this event could be uh getting worse so it is impossible for for this thing to to be the the instigating factor to get something better and then of course he's arguing that oh it, it was the personality bleed he's basically making the same argument that i was afraid was going to happen in the story which is that the story was saying that oh because he was getting other people's personalities, um, his emotions and his guilt and his feelings and his change were magically motivated and not self-improvement motivated. But we know that the bleed doesn't work that way. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think this is great because it's another example of what we say, you know, fairly often that no one is the villain of their own story. So right. for cradle to be able to do all these terrible things that he does, he has to, in his own mind, think like, you know, this isn't, this isn't my fault. This is, this is all I can do. This is the best I can do. Yeah. Um, which <laughs> the next chapter, that line, we're going to get to it, but this is me coping or, yeah. or something to that. That's, Oh my God. Right. That's right. That's Absolutely. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. I haven't killed anyone. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, buddy. <laughs> Just keep telling yourself that you're doing everything right. Yep. So cradle directs his mech onto the attack and Victoria has to square off against it strength against strength carol then moves in too close to help uh, perhaps to lend the power of her lightsabers unaware of the wretch yeah and i have to be honest here um the first time i read this i didn't clue in on what just happened my initial reaction was oh god cradle just she got um, brandish got too close and cradle a cradle whip went by and sliced up carol that was that was my initial reaction. Right. Um, I'm not going to lie and say I got this instantly. But of course, on reread, the moment that you realize this is is so amazing. Right. Yeah. Like it's so uh, it, it's it's so powerful and impactful and it's the perfect way to end a chapter. And, and yeah. one, of, 
Sorry, go ahead. I was just saying I wasn't I wasn't clear on it. And then I did that thing where because it was the end of the chapter, I just went to the Reddit immediately. <laughs> and then people there were already like they'd already kind of explained it clear. It, it was pretty clear once someone once someone says uh, that was the wretch hitting Carol, you're like, oh, OK. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And on, on retrospect, um, it, it's very obvious, right? Yeah. It's just I think I think the idea of that happening is so foreign to me because I like it's so because it's so awful um my brain didn't go there first well, well not only did your brain not go there but the text itself p- pulls away from it, it yeah. it's it's like i felt the sick impact but i couldn't spare any attention for it basically yeah. and it's like the sick what sick impact what yeah and, and it's intentionally because victoria is not is is flinching away from thinking about what just happened yeah yeah. And what, what I love about this, though, is it's, it's such a, a wonderful playoff of something we've been building up throughout the story, or at least this this arc of the story, how amazing these new wave characters have been synergizing and strategizing off of each other. Right. They're this kind of fine tuned machine of people that that are able to just go like say uh, this maneuver go works perfectly. Wonderful. Look at this. Look at the synergy. It's wonderful. Um, but, but if there's one big problem in the relationship between Victoria and her mother, it's communication. They're bad at it. They're super mm-hmm. bad at it. And here's one of the biggest holes in their communication. We've talked about how dangerous it was for Victoria to not share the wretch with her team, right? Like that's in fact, one of the reasons why she finally pushed herself to do it. Um, at least the reason she gave herself is I need to reveal this to them because it's becoming unsafe for these people not to know about this thing to be around me. But, um, she forgot to tell somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. And she didn't even think about it. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and neither did, did I, frankly. So, so that's like, that's another, another kind of instance of great sleight of hand in the text is that you forget, you forget to, to pay attention to things because the character isn't paying attention to them. Yeah. And it, it is like a magic trick where the text is, is, is directing your attention where it wants you to be paying attention and thus not paying attention to places where <laughs> it's doing it's actually doing the trick. Right. Right. And, and of course, like on retrospect, going back and, and reading that part with where she has to quickly move away from Mark um, blind without like is clearly maybe not consciously, but subconsciously cueing into this the idea that this is a potential. Um, yeah, because I certainly didn't pick it up the first time I read it. It was only on a read through that I I really cued in on on the Mark moment with yeah. the wretch that that maybe we were we were starting to deal with with the possibility of this. Yeah, yeah. So so did it. So one of my first thoughts was was basically um, the wretch probably like the wretch is is probably has the attitude of like I'm helping, <laughs> right? Because because my uh, my, my awesome host obviously hates the sphere, the, the, the basketball woman. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to take care of her. Uh, so, I mean, I, I don't know, like that's very much like a, a, a stab in the dark as to why this happened, but like it could just be random, but I, I feel, I feel a little bit more satisfaction thinking that, um, waste thought this was a good idea and did it on purpose. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we know waste like, um, doesn't, doesn't have full control of the wretch either, right? Yeah, I think yeah. that, that that's the description of driving a car with a 
the wrench. Um, yeah. So it, it is barely wrangling it as well. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I definitely can see it. That's a very shard like attitude, right? It's like, oh, here's this person that my host, my my glorious host hates. Right. Um, they just came over. Let's do something about it. Right. Right. Yeah, I could see that. All right. So we begin the next chapter, 12.9, and we're basically picking up with an immediate continuation of the struggle with the Megacarpus 2. Um, yet, for the first many paragraphs of this chapter, we get no real mention of the fact that Victoria has just wretched her mom. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the thing is like reading it because I read both of these chapters on the same day. So reading it, like I, I still wasn't sure it was happening. And I was like, but but Carol, what's going on? Um, and yeah, you're, you're absolutely right that the text goes like into overdrive to try to avoid dealing with that. Like we, we dive into these paragraphs and these paragraphs are like super, super, super detailed descriptions of the standoff. Like she's describing the mech in a level of detail in which the mech has never been described. She's describing um, how their face off is working like like the a hand was a series of moving parts and I had to account for all of them with the way the machine was positioned, three hands planted on the ground and one for me to deal with. It was trying to lift me up. Like, it's just like this soup, like it dives into the details. Like she's like desperately diving into the details of her fight to avoid uh, thinking about anything else. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think part of it is that like, it, it is this incredibly complex fight, but I, I also do agree that she's blotting out what she doesn't want to have to think about, which is a very Victoria thing to do. Yeah. Uh, so when she finally does think about Brandish, uh, it's Brandish now, not mom. Mm -hmm. uh, she refuses to look at what's happened. She can overhear what I imagine to be Mark's increasingly frantic screaming at Carol to shift into her bubble form. Yeah. And, and what I love about this, I, I, I think that the pickup on Brandish was really great because you're absolutely right. After I saw you write this in the script, I went back and double checked on this chapter and it is, it is Brandish. It is Brandish all throughout. Um, but, uh, we kind of see her efforts to ignore what she, what just happened fail. Like we, we see it fall apart. Like we see her strategy fail because she's going through, like we talked about the super detailed, like clinical description of the bot of her wretch of the struggle between them. And then she starts to think about cradles, light slashes. And then she's like, and they can cut through just about anything. And then her thoughts betray her. Cause she says each could apparently cut through a force field through. And then we get an M dash through breaker bubbles like yeah. brandishes. And it like, you see her train of thought, like that she's been trying so hard to steer away from what just happened. You see it like inadvertently cut back to it. And we've seen her do this with Amy so many times, right? Like, yeah. like it something will lead her down a, a, a thought hole that will, will bring her back to Amy unexpectedly. And that's exactly what happens here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's using that, that coping mechanism. Um, yeah. Which, which, uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's appropriate that that comes up here. Right. Cause this is basically her, 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 very routine coping me mechanism when something triggers her her memories her associations with this terrible time in her life is she's really good at at like flinching away from it bl blacking it out in her yeah. mind and 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 here it's it's uh i mean she's in the middle of combat right like like she i understand not wanting to look at what has just happened because like that would be very distracting yeah um, but yeah, we're, we're seeing it kick in in a, in a, in a time and place where it's maybe not helping. 
Yeah. What I, I love about it, like, so her, her thoughts fail her and she thinks about Brandish when she's trying not to. And then her ears fail her and she hears words and she's like, OK, it's fine. The, 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 the words aren't for me. I can safely ignore them. I'll just refuse to listen to them. I'll, I'll focus on my pulse. That's it. I'll focus on my pulse. It's just my heart beating. That's fine. And then the next line, I could try. And then, of course, the next thing we hear is her father screaming uh, yeah. about Carol. And, and yeah. Um, and I think it, like one great thing to point out there is that um, it's it's Carol every time from mm-hmm. from Mark. Uh, he he's yelling he, he he's calling her carol even to other people yeah um he completely stops calling her brandish at this point yeah and that's um that's wonderful yeah it, it's yeah. it's it, we kind of see the two of them deal with this thing in, in very opposite ways where she goes immediately to uh distance herself from the relationship where he dives right into it um, yeah and that's of course reflective of of their their varying guilts and and yeah and just in these moments right and just the level of the of what their relationship is yeah so as victoria struggles for inches against the mech we see that she has quite a deep awareness of the shape and contours of the wretch force field uh because it does exactly mirror the shape that she's very familiar with and i i thought this was a a neat reminder of that because i i kind of I guess just i guess it just never occurred to me that she would she would know exactly what shape the wretch was you know yeah, I mean, and it's like, like, look, I, I think there is, and I tried to talk about this on Twitter, and I think I just like ran out of characters because I was I was going on for too long, but there is, um, I think one of the one of the jobs of this story is to get us in the mind of Victoria and get us into into her head and to her point of view and see how she sees the world and and maybe understand why the things that she had the things that she's suffering from are are such big issues and that's kind of why i immediately flinch at people who complain about victoria's inner monologue focusing on um the bad things that happened to her too much because i'm like look at this section look at the section where she thinks about um this area on her body that the hospital workers had to work extra hard to keep clean. I could protest and claim my force field kept the dust off, but that did nothing for accumulated sweat and the bacteria that multiplied in the sweat, the washings and the lean forward. So we can get their instructions had left me with an enduring awareness of a feature that would stay with me for the rest of my life. Right? So I think the, the book recognizes its need to remind us, the readers of how ever present this thing that happened to Victoria is in her mind always. And, 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 and sometimes we forget, right? We get into the, we get into the, the heat of the battle and we focus on Victoria as she is now. She's this, this attractive young woman, um, who has superpowers and is, is badass. And, and we forget the wretch as the afterimage as what she was. And I, and I, so I will never complain about her, monologue going back to this stuff because we need to be reminded too and one of the reasons why i think carol um can never fully understand it is because it's not to her it's not this ever-present thing she looks at victoria and sees the daughter that she remembers victoria looks at herself and she sees uh this part that had a fold of skin that people needed to go in and clean and yeah i love it i i i I adore it um it's i mean it's it's tragic and horrible i don't i don't mean i love it like this is good stuff i mean like it's just it's fantastic writing yeah well i'm really glad you pulled out those paragraphs i, I almost pulled those out myself um because they're just so emotionally uh 
resonant and yeah. and and the the vivid description of it makes it so much more tactile and, and yeah. immediate. Yeah, um, I mean, it, it is it is easy to construct a model of like of outside understanding of what it was like for Victoria to live for two years like this. Right. Um, but that is very different from an interior, um, detail based explanation of how simply horrific this existence was for her. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's, I think it's amazing that we're on, you know, the 80 millionth word of the story and, <laughs> and this description still managed to like make me uncomfortable and think like, oh yeah, shit, that, that must've sucked. Like you'd think I'd be over having those thoughts by now. Yeah. Um, but no, it's, it's still just as like, oh God. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, I mean, ugh, I, I know we've talked about this a lot and I promise I'll be quick, but an, an enduring awareness of the feature that would stay with me for the rest of my life. Right. Like we have to remember that this was something that she just assumed was, it was never going to change. It was net. Why would it change? Why would, right. why would there be any, any future from this? This is it. This is all I have forever. Yeah. Um, and just like dealing with that thought day in and day out for two years. Um, uh, uh. Yeah. Right. So, Moving on, despite the car-crushing strength of the wretch, the giant mech is actually stronger, and it gradually wins the contest. Cradle makes this worse for Victoria by placing his cutting lines in the path that she's going to be forced. Um, so yeah, I mean, like, like we said earlier, this whole chapter is extremely intense, and it's an extremely complicated fight. Um, we've got like 15 different capes doing clever and creative cape things. We've got foils shooting at Cradle, harbingers crawling around on the mech, surg- surgically dismantling it. We've got a giant mutated bitter pill showing up, tearing soldiers apart, and then being dismembered. <laughs> um, that, that's just like barely half of the stuff that's happening in this, in this like very small, like like physically small scale, but just like extremely intense brawl. Yeah, and it, it makes it effectively climactic, I think, too, because this is the fight we've been building up to forever. And I think Wildbone manages to sell this as the climax because every bit of cooperation and community that Victoria has been working on comes to bear here. Her team up with the Undersiders, her agreement with Citrine, her 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 work with her parents, um, her negotiation with Blue Stocking, every bit of 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 choices and moves she's made is coming to bear here as we see each and every one of these people strike out against Cradle and fight him. It's all coming to bear, and it's it's climax. It's wonderful. Mm-hmm. I love it. Um, so my uh, yeah, we're gonna. I, I guess just reiterate the fact that um, at this point, Moose is asking who needs help. And and Mark answers Carol, the, the woman. Yeah. And it's like he, he he can't stop calling her Carol. He can't even say like I I mean Brandish like yeah like it, it's um I I just love that line. That's maybe my favorite line in the whole chapter. Is 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 this truncated Mark trying to basically just get someone to help get in there and 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 get her out of there? Yeah, and and I mean that's something we haven't talked about is that. Like he's screaming at her over and over again to change, to go into her ball form, to change, do it. And and people don't understand like why she won't. It's like she's she's clearly moving around. She's conscious, um, but she's not doing it right. And and that gets to this wonderful moment where Victoria says, 
I knew. Even after all this time, Brandish hated being in that form. Still Brandish. Even when she's talking about very personal stuff, still Brandish, not Mom. It left her blind and deaf, sensing and tracking the world around her with another kind of awareness. In the ball, she was confined to the dark, and she hated the dark. And I'm remembering one of those uh, very, very long Megafire essays months and months ago where he talked about how ruled by fear, ruled by her fear, Carol still is. And this is exactly that. In this moment, she she's she's so psychologically distraught at at the injury she's just sustained that the idea of going into the safe form uh, is is so scary to her that she won't do it. Yeah, especially in this moment where she's already kind of terrified, right? Mm -hmm. It it kind of makes sense. Yeah. And we still don't know, like, is she injured in a way where she might not have her wits about her? And that's part of why it is. Or or is it literally that she's... Because she doesn't... We don't hear anything from her, which is, like, the creepiest part. Like, we don't hear a sound from her. No. Um, I don't know. I It's... It's, it's horrible yeah we i mean we never learn how she's injured in this yeah. chapter like we, right. we, we don't get any details on that at all from anyone right. yep um and and victoria at this point thinks it hurt the regret the full and total knowledge that i'd that i hadn't told her about my force field and she'd gotten hurt because of it i didn't want to call it the wretch in this context because that felt like it was deflecting blame to the reckless and wild consciousness at the other end of my power and, and I mean, that's, you know, I think especially salient to bring up because she had this moment where it kind of seemed like she was trying to deflect blame for what she did to Thud. But but here mm-hmm. she's she's actually going out of her way to to be like, yeah, that that was on me because the reason she got she got hurt wasn't that the wretch is out of control. The reason is that I didn't I didn't warn her. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think I think that's it's so important because it's the idea of taking responsibility. Right. Like she did not do the hit. Right. Yeah. The wretch did the hit. Um, but she's responsible for it because she, she, in her mind, she didn't, she didn't give information she should have given. Um, and she's not like, I love that detail. Like I didn't want to call it the wretch this time. I called it my force field this time because it's mine. It's not this, this other entity that I've created to kind of push off my, my issues. Um, my, my, how I deal with this, this thing that reminds me of some of the most, most terrible parts of my life. It's mine. It's my force field. This is mine. It's my problem. It's my fault. Uh, and she takes mm. it and you know who else takes it you know who else takes blame for the things they've done who, uh, our boy that? our boy rain takes That's blame right. for the things he's done um and you know who doesn't take blame for the things they've done uh-huh. cradle yeah. cradle and and that i mean we're going to circle around this again and again at the end of the day that's the difference um and, and yeah. it's not about and I, I think like we 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 talked about blame and responsibility in our discussion question and, and we have a lot of great answers to go through those are great I think I think who to blame as a society or, or or whether or not you should blame someone and someone taking self responsibility for something are two different things. Yeah. Um, and I think what we're seeing is the importance of the latter. Right. It doesn't matter if you are to blame um, if you take responsibility for something. That is how you grow past it. That is how you improve past it. I agree 100 percent. I think that taking responsibility is is pretty much always the right move yeah so there's one thing that i just noticed that i think is very interesting um what's that victoria has basically always held it against um her mom that she absolutely minimized how much time she spent around her um and and even when she was around her in the hospital 
uh, kind of like tried to distance herself from it and like would just talk to the nurses. Mm-hmm. Um, and here we have Victoria who has just done something horrible to her mom. And now Victoria can't stand <laughs> to look at it. Oh, man, that's a <laughs> oof. That's so a good, I like it. I like I mean, it. I mean, beyond just the parallelism, I wonder if Victoria is going to be like, oh, this is what my mom was going through. Yeah. The guilt. Because Carol clearly has guilt. Like we know right. from her interlude that she felt like it was her, like she had she had ruined like she had just been a terrible mother. And, and it was her fault that both of her daughters were, were you know, in, in the birdcage and turned into yeah. a, a blob, respectively. Um, and like, it, it's not like, like that's, that's why she didn't want to go to the hospital. It's because right. it's because she felt horribly guilty about it. And so I do wonder if Victoria is going to make that connection or not. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and I don't want to say they're equally like equally, like we're not saying that Victoria is just as bad as Carol here. Right. Like I, t- I just want, I just want to throw no, that out there even, before people jump, yeah, <laughs> jump all over you. Not, that's not, not even, what we're saying. Not even close because there's a big difference between not looking at um, a horrible thing that you just did in this in this stressful moment and not going to see your daughter in the hospital. Right. Um, yeah. So, yeah. But yeah, no, there's definitely that definitely like I think I think uh, Victoria and, and Carol are more similar than, than Victoria would like to admit, which is yeah. generally the case with children and their parents. Um, and this is one example of that. I like that a lot. I'm glad you made that connection. Cool. So um, Victoria judos the mech uh, to set it up for a nice hit from Moose. She sees Swan Song, and uh, and she tightly shakes her head, indicating that uh, she shouldn't attack uh, because her power is too dangerous in this circumstance. Yeah, which again is another moment where uh, we have Swan Song feel uh, powerless, right? That yeah. she she looks at the situation and she acknowledges, "I can't help," which is good because she's like in control of herself in a way uh, that she hasn't before. And, and I think we specifically counter that with damsels saying damsel thinks she's in control, but damsel is in control of her power. Uh, Swan song is in control of herself. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, while we're making connections to things, Swan song isn't really reacting overtly, but you know, Swan song is someone who felt a lot, uh, well, uh, who knows who knows what exactly, but it was definitely terribly, terribly affected by the fact that she uh, killed her own mother with with her power. So, yeah, there's definitely a connection between those characters there. Yeah. And, and I and I like that, you know, in, in relation to what we were just talking about, where we've seen uh, a bond between these characters form over the course of this arc and in the last couple arcs. Um, yeah, that that is another place where, you know, one of the reasons why Swan Song became so um, invested and cared so much about Kenzie is because she saw a lot of herself in Kenzie. Right. Yeah. And so, uh, this could be another, you know, path to mutual understanding that, that she sees that Victoria is going to be going through a lot of shit because of what just happened to her mother. And, uh, Ashley knows a lot about that. So yeah, yeah I like that. Cool. Um, so the, the team tag teams the mech until they gradually defeat it, with Rain providing a key hit to destroy one limb and the Harbinger redirecting one of its cutting whips into itself. Victoria sees the signature glow of Brandish's sphere form, and, and we know that she's at least, you know, stable. Yeah, but, and we kind of talked about this already, but yeah, so, so we now, we see Brandish, like, leave the battlefield. We know she's alive, but that's all the text. That's the most Victoria 
is able to tell us because she's not really interested in in examining it any closer than that. We've talked a lot about the reasons why already. So yeah, um, just yeah, it's great. It's great. Right. It, it is. I think good from from just the, a like tension perspective to actually move it off of our plate mentally yeah. to to say okay she's she's in the ball form we don't have to worry about her right now we know she's badly injured but as long as she's in the ball form she's not gonna just like die so yeah you don't have to worry about that right now yeah you got you got enough to worry about reader yeah. <laughs> just just take that bomb and put it away for a little bit <laughs> right right um so then victoria flies up to join sveta and we see uh, that what what happened to Brandish has also resonated with with Sveta, um, and because Sveta it basically Victoria's thinking I didn't get the feeling of judgment or condemnation, but if there were words to say, I was pretty sure she'd bring her she couldn't bring herself to say them. To absolve me of blame for what I'd done to Brandish required that she do the same for herself for the accidental death she'd caused. I knew from what she'd said in the past that she she always wondered about and regretted the preventative actions she hadn't taken. Yeah. And so the thing about this is I think this is everything that Victoria just said here is true. Right. Um, Sveta is probably aware of this and maybe on some level is thinking about this. But this is a very presumptive line of thoughts on behalf of Victoria. Like Sveta just doesn't meet her eyes right away. Um, she like sees her and like doesn't look her right in the eyes. And then Victoria's like, oh, this this here must be what Sveta's thinking. Um, and I think it, it's more a reflection of Victoria's own feelings about her culpability and what just happened than it is a necessarily an accurate depiction of what is actually going through Sveta's mind at this second. Right. Um, cause it is very possible that Sveta is just saying like, oh fuck, she feels awful. I don't know what to say right now. What should I say right now? Should I say something? Like, I don't think it's like, I don't think it's necessarily true that in this moment Sveta is weighing the relationship was like, can I give her, can I free her from her culpability without, um, you know, not dealing with my shit. Like, I, 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 I don't know. Like, I just think this is like, it's a lot that she's putting mm. on Sveta with one, with one lack of look. Yeah. That she well, and it's just really specific because like, if, you know, if you see something terrible happen to someone's mom, then, the, then like the first thought is like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Something terrible happened to your mom. It's yeah. not, it's not like, and you were, not responsible in this narrow sense like like so 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 yeah i think i I don't know i mean this may be one of those instances where the text is just kind of communicating the truth Um, sure but but i always like readings where the protagonist is projecting their own view of things onto other people so yeah i do do enjoy that yeah and i yeah i I mean because because there the the fact remains that this is a true thing that sveta blames herself for things that ha- that that she's done um, that aren't necessarily her fault, quote unquote, um, and that is true. And so this idea that it would be maybe difficult for Sveta to just be able to say that totally wasn't your fault, um, yeah, it would be a complicated one. But I don't necessarily think that this, these are the things that are flying through Sveta's mind at this moment, because Sveta's also in a really rough place herself, um, and and and. Victoria is also clearly in I'm going to I'm going to do everything I can to beat the shit out of myself right now because I feel real bad. Like 
when she flies, like she literally flies up there with Sveta because she's just like, I got to get away from this. Um, I, I just got to go high right now. <laughs> I, can't, yeah. I can't, I can't be, I can't be on the, on the battlefield right now. And, and then she, t- with the first thing she notices when she, she talks to Sveta outside of like her order commanding nature, um, she's really shaky. Like her voice is surprisingly shaky. Um, so she's like basically on the verge of a breakdown. Like, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. In in process, so right. I don't necessarily think that that she's of the correct mind to like a hundred percent accurately detect Sveta's uh, mind thought process right now. Yeah, right, and and yeah, ne- neither of them are are operating on the wavelength of being able to infer complicated sure. motives. I, yeah. I, I feel you there. Um. So yeah, adding to the tallying of victoria's desperate reckless acts in these chapters she smashes into a maze wall uh, sending a cascade of large rocks down that may kill or maim some of the soldiers below her and she doesn't even really have the ability to check at this moment this is i think the first moment in the story where victoria admits to herself that the blow she just delivered might have been a fatal one right that this is the first moment where she says i maybe just killed people yeah um and she says, but then she's very practical about it. That was like, it's probably not going to be the last time I'm going to have to do it. Um, she says the only way for the only way forward was forward. I couldn't atone for one mistake by perpetrating another and letting other people die. So it's like, I I have to go, I have to go all in now. I have yeah. to. Yeah. I mean, we've been gradually kind of gaining steam for this entire arc right. where, they they have put themselves in into a corner where it was obvious that that you know no holds barred um going for the kill fighting was going to be necessary and yeah. and now we're at the point where she can't afford she literally can't afford to hesitate because it could cost her allies their lives yeah yeah and especially like some of the soldiers that are chasing down her teammates one of those teammates is this anonymous cape that has is the one that's carrying brandish right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like this idea that I hurt my mom, um, these people might kill my mom. I can't, I can't let that happen because it'll be, that'll definitely be my fault. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I have to do, I have to do something right now and, and it's going to be throwing rocks at them. Yeah. Um, true. And the, the thing that I like is we're not, like you said, we're not a hundred percent sure. Did she just kill someone? We don't know. Right. I mean, I, I wonder I wonder if we're going to kind of take an accounting of all of this. It, it does seem like a a thing that would happen in the last um, either the last chapter of an arc or or even like the, the first chapter of the next one where we get kind of the circling the wagons yeah. bit and Victoria, you know, reflects on like, OK, well, so and so is in the hospital, uh, you know, X died. <laughs> I um, want you know what I want? I want a breakthrough group therapy session, <laughs> closeout chapter. That's what I want. Um, it doesn't have to be Amida, but uh, it would yeah, be just, great if it was. They just sit around in chairs and say, "All right, we're doing this." Yeah. Yep. Yep. That'd be awesome. <laughs> let's just let's just talk through all the shit that's happened. Yeah. Right. Yamada sits down. So, <laughs> what's new? How you doing? Oh man, that's great. <laughs> so into. The aftermath here, Cretan charges in, backed up by Lion Wing's spray of telekinetically controlled razors. Victoria smashes through the walls to get to Lion Wing, uh, but when Victoria corners her, she chooses to let her talk and psychologically mess with her uh, to fish for information instead of just crushing her. 
Yeah. It's interesting to me because this encounter starts with uh, Victoria saying, I can't fight her. I can't. Her knives, her, her knife, like sweeping knife attack will knock me out. Um, but I can't let her know that. So she kind of says, uh, instead, I'll like psychologically mess with her instead of just yeah. engaging her directly. But I can't help but wonder if like she's just on too shaky ground right now to engage with someone like we we, we said moments before she was flying above the stuff, surveying the, the battlefield and saying, I need to get down there, except I didn't trust myself. So she's finally worked up the courage to go back down there and engage back on, in the battle again because she sees the need in it. But I don't think she's still is fully in I trust myself mode here. So I think, yes, this is partially um, engaging with this this woman directly would uh, be very dangerous for me. But partially, I don't think she's ready to trust herself in hand to hand combat just yet. She's got to build up to it. So she kind of starts just just attacking her psychologically first. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to see if if like part of the fact that she goes after Lion Wing is just a it's just a, like a sound strategic choice because right. she's going after the person who is posing a big threat right now but also it it kind of gets her some privacy i mean she's still with line wing but at least she's like physically away from everyone else and lets her kind of maybe compose herself a little bit i mean right. I, I don't know I, I don't know if that's quite the right read either though because she's she's also like messing with line wing and like putting on airs with her and stuff so that suggests a certain level of of being with it you know yeah i mean she's buying time i i, I just yeah. i i see She's justifying to herself why she is not, you know, with with everyone else, not in the fray, not immediately fighting um, and, and using her kind of Victoria tries to talk down the villain technique. But this is very much Victoria tries to, like, talk, uh, piss off villain, not talk yeah. down villain. This is a different kind of conversations from the ones we've seen her have. Um, and. I do, I do think it's just maybe she's a little bit nervous about going. Uh, she's at least collecting herself uh, before she uh, punches some people. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, okay. And then, like of course, that. Lion Wing takes her uh, messing with her and then messes with her back. Yeah, right. So so she, she basically takes the bait. I mean, I think Victoria totally wins the social role here because yeah. uh, Lion Wing then, like, philosophizes about the emotion power of the mall cluster and, and kind of lays it out for us, which an interesting w with a couple of little twists that we hadn't necessarily figured out. Yeah. Um, so like she says, old snag wants to give people things that mean something and he gets a power that lets him fill objects with emotion, builds gear to shoot people with it. Makes sense. Don't it? Linewing asked the bitch inflicts herself on everyone around her and doesn't realize she's doing it even after she brings the teenage girl into her mess. And then, and then a bit later, the boy is a bad weather pattern, a cloud of misery and utter patheticness that hangs over everyone he looks at. Um, and it's interesting because Victoria thinks to herself, like, that's not quite right, but I'm not going to correct her, give her information. <laughs> um, but and then and then she, and then Lion Wing goes on to say, Cradle's power is to read weaknesses. He senses people's vices and senses how far he can push blackmailing them. Um, and apparently what he's been doing throughout this fight is gathering more knowledge about weaknesses. Yeah, I, I really love this. Um I love everything we learned here. Like remember we were talking not too long ago about we were having trouble visualizing uh, what what reigns power, like what his what how his emotion power like worked. Like, is it a, like a ball? Is it a sphere? Like and this uh, this this very 
this very easy image of it's just like a cloud that just like hangs over people um, is, is like a, a really great visualization device that I had never keyed in on. All of these are. I mean, like, yeah, like like Love Losts is like a, a, a thing emanating from herself. Um, snags being something he builds into his gear because he recognizes the powerful emotion of objects. Um, it's like stuff that has never been said explicitly. And, and once it is, it's like, oh, yeah, that's really super clever. Yeah. Um, I- that's funny. I think I've I think I've compared Rain to Eeyore before. And doesn't doesn't Eeyore have like a cloud that follows him around sometimes? Sometimes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah that's and awesome. Then, and then of course, Cradle's power being one that takes instead of gives is like thematically perfect with him. Um, I, I like all this information we learned. Yeah. My issue with this part is, I just found the the fact that there's this person named lion wing that we don't really know very well is just suddenly revealing all this information here in the 11th hour as just a little clunky to me. Um, like I I love the information we've gotten from this, but like, I don't know. I don't really know who lion wing is or why lion wing has this knowledge or why she choose to give us this knowledge in this moment. Um, I love, like I, I say, I love the information itself, especially cradles. I just like the delivery mechanism. I'm just like, Oh, okay. We're, we're doing this. We're doing this now. Yeah, it almost makes me wonder. Like, are we forgetting some instance where we've met Lion Wing before? Because, like, if if Lion Wing had been established as someone who monologues, then I might, um, then it might just be like, yeah, okay, that scans because because yeah. because she would be bragging. And but, that might be. I mean, that might be exactly what this is doing is establishing that, right? Like, this yeah, is, perhaps. Hey, yeah. here's this villain who monologues. Yeah, it's just like it's just ve- it's just kind of very abrupt. And I was just like, oh, okay. Um, Almost as if like we're we're about to wrap up this arc or, or this whole part of the story involving the mall cluster. And uh, we needed we needed to have this like overall breakdown of of how this works. We needed to establish Cradle's emotion power, which we hadn't done yet. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, I, I see what you're I see what you mean there. Um, like I, I, I was almost thinking like maybe this is information that um might have gone better if it were like worked into cradles interlude um but as it is it it like we needed to get it somehow so sure yeah so i completely, I completely be, yeah i totally agree that it's information we need for sure yeah. it, and it's it's great like i love it thematically i love it like visually i love everything like it's like a puzzle piece fitting together right it's like yeah. we finally have this very clear image of the mall cluster with the exception of that mysterious fifth thing that we don't we still don't know about um and the the other thing i guess is that like i don't i don't think we see um i don't think we see do we see cradles part of the power pay off in this fight Um, no no and 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 that like that makes me feel like it's a that this is a setup that like he's he's gathered all these weaknesses i guess is is the implication Mm -hmm. but he hasn't use them or 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 maybe he's gonna yeah like i I don't know i don't know what the implications are exactly because because we it it makes me actually worried you know it's like okay well the chapter ends with him basically being taken into custody presumably yeah but but i feel like it's not resolved right you know i feel like yeah i feel like i want to leave this chapter because i'm so happy that they've won that i want to be like yes they did it cradle's defeated it's over (laughs) it's over but yeah i mean maybe you're right maybe Well, maybe we're not quite done yet. I mean, it leaves me, I don't know if this is going to get the right thing across, but it leaves me like with that feeling of, of in, in the dark night when, when the Joker allows himself to be captured, like, <laughs> like, I don't think Cradle's allowing himself to be captured, but it's a no. similar feeling where you're like, well, they caught him, but 
it doesn't feel like a, a complete win, you know? Cause, sure, sure. Yeah, but be- because specifically because of this fact that like, well, he never like that that Chekhov's gun never went off. Yeah. So I mean, I suppose you could argue we were talking about like, um, why would he lie to Rain as he's telling things to him? You could argue that his his form of attack about you haven't really changed is him using his power to mm. to push and prod Rain at exactly the part where he's least True. comfortable with himself. And and he and he does like kind of you know archly say something to Victoria, but it's not it's not like calculated to, to do damage. It's more like he sees what's going on with her. Yeah. I think we'll get to that pretty soon, actually. Yep. Uh, so Victoria then uh, fights Lionwing like she'd fight herself. <laughs> and then she ends up nearly ripping the woman's arm off. Um, and then after that, she smashes her head into the ground twice. Yeah. Can't, we can't risk it. Like, I don't know. <laughs> it's like, I can't take her prisoner. Um, I don't have it smashed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I wonder if Victoria has like a, a little like like thinks humans are tougher than they are because she has a force field. Because like when you smash a person's head against the ground, you can you can that can just kill them. It definitely can. Like I mean, can knock just, like knocking someone out is not good for them. No, <laughs> just generally, no, it's um, bad. It's bad. It's bad for your brain. You can accidentally cr- crack the skull easily. Yeah. People can die of just having a cracked skull. Doesn't even need to like be that like like caved in or anything. Yeah, it's bad. It's bad news, Victoria. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so when she returns to Cretan's arena, she finds her team in a bad state. Ashley is unconscious. Moose is laid out. Mark is injured, and another harbinger is down. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's strongly hinted at here. The thing I really jumped on is that the reason why perhaps Ashley was defeated um, is because she couldn't bring herself to kill quote the other horned guy in armor. Uh-huh. Um, so she saw. Cretan as a as a very similar to to our boy our boy Bob and yeah. uh and couldn't couldn't bring herself to do it which again I think is us circling around this this Ashley damsel situation and how uh the choices that Ashley has made have left her cape wise uh less effective right yeah but uh but unarguably a better person right right like like the the what damsel might call weaker um but but that was part of the like this kind of part of the bargain like like i think i think the thing is that ashley knows ashley knows that like she she understands that it's not a surprise to her right she's i don't know we'll see yeah we'll see. I, i'm i'm like of of everyone i think i'm most excited to see like where ashley is at after this arc yeah and you and i were talking about this earlier today when we were kind of going over these chapters in preparation for the show and you know, I think I think you're I, I'm I'm much more tentatively optimistic about Ashley than you are. Like, I, I worry that there's a potential that like the frustrations with feeling ineffectual as compared to her sister will lead her or could possibly um, lead her to feeling uh, feeling like she made the wrong choice in the bargain could mm-hmm. possibly like like she looks at um, here's all the things damsel can do. And is able to do and here's the way I was I, I just see myself fail again and again and again and, and get to a point where she's so frustrated that she decides that th- this person I become is a mistake. Um, I'm not I'm not necessarily saying that's what's going to happen, but that it was in the back of my mind. And I think you're much more gung ho on. No, it's just showing how much better she is than damsel. Um, yeah, I mean, I think in, in our chat earlier, I was focusing more on like the fact that, yeah, um, those things are frustrating to her, but now she has like loved ones and friends and people who 
who she can rely on and people who who can who, who rely on her now right and um and like that feels better than like being the most badass person who can blow people away yeah um and and like that's part of her change is like shifting as a person to someone who gets her her self self regard from from that identity and um i, I guess I, I guess it's almost like um it's one of those things where it's just like well i'll be really sad if if you're right so I, so you're wrong <laughs> <laughs> i i want i want i want your way like I, okay. I, do, I do think it's right and i think there is textual support for that because i i, I think you're right that at, at every moment where damsel is being like specifically annoying um either victoria is telling her to stop or uh or swan song is like looking towards victoria um to, uh, as if as if to reestablish the connection between these two people um and how how much better this is than being that so um yeah it could be could be yeah cool um so at this point having kind of destroyed everyone cradle offers a deal give up rain and he'll back off and let them retreat victoria says yes uh, which rain doesn't entirely like and maybe we can talk in a second about whether she was like whether that was a ruse or not but anyway mm-hmm. she says yes uh he compares himself to always being the guy on the tracks uh explicit explicit trolley problem reference for, yeah. for, for the first time in pair humans says one person is strapped to the railroad track everyone else is strapped to the other the trolley is coming do i pull the switch rain asked bitter except i'm the one guy i've always been the one guy i let people who say they care about sorry i get people who say they care about me but they always end up on the other goddamn track yeah it's never uh, other people pulling the switch to sacrifice themselves for him it's always people asking him to pull the switch to sacrifice himself for those other people always which i mean like he's kind of right like like i mean like i i don't i don't think i think he's being like he's he's very pissed off we have to remember he's he's red rain right now um and he he also is is exhausted and exasperated so i think he's he's over overblowing this feeling but there has multiple times when at least people are like look to rain and be like come on you got to be willing you got to be willing to do this and how just inherently exhausting that must feel at some level it's like it always comes down to like get give up rain and you and everyone else will be saved yeah um, yeah well now that well yeah anyway but at the end of this chapter hopefully that dynamic is over yeah we'll see though so because that was the same thing with love lost right love lost basically the same thing like give us this one yeah and your other right. people will go free yeah. and they're like um okay fine he's like no come on i don't want to <laughs> yeah i don't want to pull that i don't want to pull that that thing again yeah right you know i I mean i just i love that the trolley problem is finally explicitly mentioned in worm after Uh everyone talking about trolley problems and and worm being an example of of trolley problems but it's not this is not just a trolley problem because in the trolley problem you're pulling the switch you know making the choice about other people and and what rain is saying here is like I am the guy. I am the one guy on the track, and I'm also the one who's given the choice to pull the switch. Right. Which is not the trolley problem. That's yeah. that's a much more self-sacrificing and and difficult, um, well, complex choice. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 that's not even like Rain pulls the switch, right? Like at the end of at the end of the day, here he he does it again. Yeah. Um, he's willing to pull that switch, and there, and there are there are heroes out there that will pull that switch all day long. I think Taylor was a person that would have pulled that switch on herself. A bunch. I think Victoria would do the same thing. Um, I think Rain's frustration, as it seems like he's always pulling the switch for someone else, 
no one's ever pulling the switch for him. And yeah, that's not fair. <laughs> right. Why don't the, why aren't the people that say they care about me pulling switches for me? Right. Yeah. But I mean, that's kind of what happened, sort of. Sure. Because sure. Uh, that's but, being a hero, right? Yeah. So so prior to that, though, we get this exchange. I'm just going to read the whole thing, honestly. Do it. Um. So Victoria is is going after Cradle verbally and he says, I tried more than, you know, I tried. Once powers came into it, I physically could not try anymore. Once he came into it, I know people who couldn't help but kill, but they found coping mechanisms. How long did it take them to figure it out? Cradle asked. How many deaths? I didn't respond. I haven't killed anyone, he said. Not with these hands. Believe me, I'm coping. You're fucking awful at coping, I said. Aren't we all, he asked. And for maybe the first time ever, he sounded weirdly amused. Um, oh man fuck cradle Can so, I just <laughs> yeah so much happening here i mean like so so i read so like interestingly he's tipping his hand to like knowing their secrets because like he knows he he seems to know here that sveta killed like a ton of people you know mm-hmm. he he knows that victoria is fucking awful at coping yeah <laughs> um i love the i love the verbiage of i haven't killed anyone not with these hands the fixation on hands right uh, being a very cradle thing yeah, it's just so once again, it's all Rain's fault, right? <laughs> once yeah. powers came into it, once he came into it, I physically could not try anymore. D- does anything that we saw in his interlude make that true? Like, I, I, yeah, I don't think so. I mean, interestingly, I think I notice, you know, when I'm doing when I was collating all of the question answers, I noticed that. People, I think people seem to have legitimately um, um, irreconcilable reads on that chapter. Like, like, hmm. like some people think some people are, are more willing to cut him slack because they they sort of take him at his word more than others. Hmm. Um, but but like I I agree with you actually that that there's nothing in that chapter that makes me think that he just didn't have a choice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like. Again, we have to say he was dealt a, a bad hand, um, you know, having living his life with his disorder is harder. And then you have shards come in and fuck it all up and make that even harder than it was. Um, certainly. And and it, he certainly cannot be held responsible for the disorder that he uh, was genetically given. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's not fair. Um but we are people that live in this world and we make choices um, and and we have to own up to them, um, even even if the reason why we were set on this path is not one that we chose. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, like I just I, I see I see a cradle here that is pushing off responsibility that is um, like we, we it's not even just like it's not my fault because rain did it. I didn't actually do anything that bad anyway, even if it was my fault. I haven't killed anyone. Um, <laughs> this is this is how I cope. Uh-huh. Everyone copes their own way. Um, some people cope and they're while they're trying to cope, they they're killing each other. I'm not doing that. So so it's it's not my fault. But if it was, it's not that bad. And um, 
<laughs> oh my god. Ev- everyone's actually everyone's it, awful. It's so. the narcissist prayer. <laughs> that didn't happen. And if it did, it wasn't that bad. And yeah. if it was, that's not a big deal. And if it is, that's not my fault. And if it yeah. was, I didn't mean it. And if I did, you deserved it. Exactly. Exactly. And that I think at the end of the day um is one of the big things that we're exploring with Cradle. This idea of uh, personal responsibility, this idea of taking control of, of your future. Um, and we, we talked, you know, second chances, chances to, to, to start, like everyone got a chance to start over and, and make progress. And, and some people chose to, to do that. And it's hard for people and people fail and we mess up and, and look, cradle might have a, a, a hand that's shittier than a lot of other people's. Um, but they still, they still did the stuff yeah. and, and they're not, and he's not interested in, in, in owning up to any of that. Yep. Yep. Um, and I mean, I, I think in a, in a little bit, we're going to talk about like, well, the, the, the difference between him and rain and, and plus we're going to have plenty of time to talk about that dur- yep. during the Q and a, I think. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no, Absolutely. So just as she hears Cradle exit the maze, or she, she detects the maze exit uh, opening, she and Sveta sprint into the attack immediately without even saying anything. And I, I love this sentence so much. But for the rainfall patter of Sveta's tendrils on the walls of the station, we were silent as we darted after Cradle. Oh, I love it. Uh, this, is, this is a really great moment because I think this is, once again, the book being fully aware of uh, our awareness of the breakthrough has been losing a whole bunch. Yeah. So like our characters have been losing every battle they fought. And even if they like, even if they snatch a win, it's taken away from them so quick. And so we're in this moment where we're like, wait, they're going to lose again. Seriously. This is really, and like in this moment, Victoria is as, as angry and frustrated about their string of losses as we, the reader are right. And, and so she goes back to her old standby line. She goes, he wins. Fuck that. Yeah. And we know exactly when Victoria says fuck that, we know exactly what that means. Some shit's about to go down. Yep. It's the great Victoria uh, uh, quote on on her yearbook page. Yeah. Um, so there's like 400 awesome things that happen in the next 10 seconds. Yes. Uh, so Sveta grabs Rain, hurls him to safety, trusting his momentum canceling power to save him. Then she tries to grab everything Nojutsu on Cradle forcing Creedon to shield him with a wall. Victoria thinks to herself that um, her plan had been to just go for it and trust the team. Yeah. And, okay, so first of all, we have Sveta doing her capture the flag routine again, which is, I think, that's the third time we've used that, and it's I love it. It's wonderful. Yeah. Um, let's talk about that plan, though. Trust the team, right? Um, she says in this moment that I was going to trust that if if – if I if they won, they would take down the barriers. The barriers were called and everyone outside the maze would come help out. Um, that doesn't happen. But it doesn't matter because I had Sveta, my best friend, who was more trustworthy than I was. And Chastity, who earned another so very important friendship in Cassie, was in the station. And so it's like this idea that that she's just willing. She doesn't even give an order. She's just willing to trust 
that she knows these people and she knows what what is motivating these people to do things. And and that motivation is friendship. That motivation is community. That motivation is caring for people. The reason Chastity is here, Chastity, who was hesitant to enter the maze before, the reason she's here is because her friend's in there and she's got to help her friend. And it's community. It's teamwork. It's friendship. It's it's a group coming together and she's willing to trust that to trust in that and and that's her plan and yeah. it works yeah it works great uh chastity who who like you said wasn't in the maze she grabs the whip his cradle emerges and she used her penchant with whips to cut Cretan in half and as a perfect grace note to what you were just saying about friendships and and working together in community uh victoria says all alone because that's what happens when you act like an asshole. Probably gonna get copyright flagged, but worth it. Yeah, worth worth it, I guess. I don't I don't know that reference. So um, the name of the song is Karma Chameleon. Right, well, and karma get... just came back to bite Cradle in the ass, Matt. I got gotcha. you. Very okay. obvious. Well, I mean, now I. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Cradle was wrong. Karma exists, Matt. <laughs> and Karma's name is Victoria fucking Dallas. <laughs> uh, that's, that's wonderful. <laughs> um, I, 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 I love this moment. I like, so this is, this is, this, this is everything. Um, this is, it, it's, it's a, it's a conclusion of, of Cradle's arc. It's a conclusion of everything we've been talking about, about, how teamwork is done, how you organize it's it's like leadership, uh, teamwork, community, like what goes around comes around. It's all this coming together in this one moment. And I love in this moment, Matt, right before she says this to him, when cradle realizes that, that Cretan is down and he's all alone, he touches his headgear. He touches his hair, um, almost as if to grab and check for those glasses, right? Uh One more time, to go back to that old tick and check for his glasses. He realizes um, that how, how fucked he is. Yeah, that's great. I can't believe I didn't put that together. I feel like an idiot. Yeah. He, he was definitely, it was definitely that, that tick. Yep. Um, absolutely. Yeah. And, but no, like, I, I mean, I, I think it's, it's a good, it's a good moment because like he, he's still, he's still kind of a cool cucumber even in this moment. Like, mm-hmm. like you don't, you don't feel like he's quite beat. Um, and and I just love how you know just how the scene winds down because Cretan um, won't let him escape because he's because he, now he's maimed and so he forces he forces Cradle to reverse the severing uh, in order to let him escape so so Cradle finally does it um, and we we realize that you can indeed reduce uh, uh, re- reverse the severing revealing it to be um, more like a portal than a true cut. Um, such that the severed extremities are just like pulled through the portal and then they kind of grow out of the wound, which I actually kind of predicted, but I don't think that's that hard of a prediction if you <laughs> if you if you think that that's like how disjoints power works. Did you predict that? That's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's probably I bra- back in the chat when I it, had it muted. It is, yeah, and th- and then I later bragged about it shamelessly. <laughs> of course you did. Um, but yeah, because I was like, I was basically like. Um, the limbs would just die of like oxygen deprivation unless there were like nutrients getting to them and like Tattletale wouldn't be able to talk if there wasn't like air being teleported to her mouth and like just like it doesn't really make a lot of sense if if somehow like substances aren't being transported between the limbs 
Um, I don't know. Anyway, I'm being way too in the weeds here. But you the, scienced it. Yeah. The, the point is that I was like, it's it's got to be portals. Otherwise, it just won't work. So. Yeah. And I mean, what I love about this uh, is this super matters. So like Cretan is his final ally, right? He's all Cradle has. And here at the end, the second he's hurt, he turns on his boss and and says, no, you you're not going anywhere unless you unless you tell me unless you heal me. And of course, it is it is the act of Cradle having to acquiesce to a former employee, to someone who uh, was loyal to him, probably through manipulation, through fear, not through friendship, not through any kind of real community. Um, it is that person uh, turning on him the second the chips were down that makes him use the 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 healing, um, the reversing switch thing, which is what allows Kenzie to get uh, an image of it, uh, which is which is exactly what makes them not need Cradle. So it is so the entirety of his plan is ruined by the betrayal of his his the quote unquote betrayal of his own person. So just to, just to incentivize and and draw attention to uh, the fact that that leadership and community and friendship and and coming togetherness through the methods that Victoria and her team did it um, is infinitely better than manipulation and fear and uh, and and everything that Cradle did. Yeah, because when you act like an asshole, that's what happens. Should I play the song again? No, no, no. <laughs> I don't want to have to edit it out when we get copyright flag. <laughs> We're not. It's it's gonna be fine. It'll be uh, fine. Okay. Uh, so Victoria then chases Cradle out of the portal to Gimmel, only to find himself face to face with uh, Beaker or M- Mortar or whatever. Uh, what we're calling it. <laughs> yeah, a, a small crowd of capes. Victoria, with shaking hands, reaches out to Kenzie, who has captured the signal that Cradle used to reverse the severing effect. I don't know about you, Matt, but uh, I didn't realize how much I missed Kenzie until yeah. I, I i was going to say heard her voice, but read her voice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, yeah, her voice comes across strongly, even in text. It really does. And um, we were first introduced to her via text. So that's true. And yeah, I, I missed her. Um, I missed her around. And, and, and it's it's so it becomes so apparent how much I missed her as soon as we have this moment. Uh, I love it. I love it. Yeah. And that wraps up the chapter yeah um with with the best line ever no i don't think we need him <laughs> fuck you cradle yep hand him over to those harbingers yep oh god maybe maybe not dude <laughs> oh god yeah yeah i don't know if anyone deserves that i know um so all right uh a quick quick name game i guess like we- well let's let's talk through i mean i think this is important to our discussion question okay. this week so i want to kind of talk through each member of breakthrough right because okay. Sure, sure. Maybe we can just do that in the discussion question part. Yeah, let's just do Maybe that. We can there. work it in. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, let's do name game. Um, so, so you you said like, do we know why this is called Heavens yet? And mm-hmm. and I mean like, there, there's a lot of little things like um, R- Brian actually mentions heaven when he's talking about like people doing good things so they can go to heaven and avoid hell. Um, Victoria spends a lot of time flying. There's a lot of flying fights. Uh, there's a, there's it. There's a lot of people with horns in this story, and 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 it makes me and and she calls Cradle a, a, a demon. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just made me realize there's actually like like there's way more people with horns in Ward than there were in, in Worm. Um, and I, I made a list earlier, but then I didn't copy it over here. But there, there's like <laughs> at least there's like at least six capes with horns, and and so there's a lot of like devil imagery, um, which kind of you know 
goes with the chapter called Heavens. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I, there, there may be more to come, but uh, I, I, there's definitely a few, a few uh, mentions in there. Yeah. Um, we were so we. we <laughs> I don't think we have an answer here. But we were talking about Myosha, Myosha, and like we couldn't. I, I googled it and I just couldn't find anything other than like there's a there's a river in Russia. Yeah, called, the My, called, the Myosha River is in Russia. Um, but but why is it in all caps? And then then you and then you said like maybe <laughs> it's because it's like OSHA. The uh, Occupational Safety and Health Administration. Right. And it's like related to like her being a giant occupational hazard or something. Yeah, like the, the, OSHA is the government organization that handles basically workplace injuries. Yeah. And she like blows up machinery. So it's like she's my OSHA violation, <laughs> which is like hilarious and clever. I, I don't know if that's what it's supposed to be or not. I don't either. Uh, I mean, it, it's yeah. In my it, head, it is. Right. It's it's funny because this time we're not like, oh, here's the hidden meaning of the name. We're like, I don't know, but here's some funny ideas. Yeah. Um, I mean, there is a specific reason it's all caps, right? Like there's. Yeah. Like if, right. it, if we just wanted to be a reference to a Russian river, uh, which it's very hinted that she like this, this is a bunch of Russian capes. Right. right. So it would make sense for it to um, be a reference but why why capitalize it right right exactly and that's where I, my brain went i like your connection we'll see yeah <laughs> we'll find out i'm sure sure uh all right let's do discussion question this is going to be quite a quite quite a one of those so the question last week was is cradle to blame for the things he's done why or why not and the answers were yes, yes, no, yes, yes, no, no, yes. And that's all we got for you this week on We've Got Ward. All right, um, let's move on. Um, just kidding. So y'all wrote <laughs> extraordinarily long essays. So the best I'm going to be able to do is to sketch out some of the high-level points that were made by each of you. Yeah, and I want to say before we get into this that there is no wrong answer to this question. Matt, I'm really not saying that for anyone but you, Matt. Uh-huh. There's no wrong answer to this question, Matt. Okay. Matt. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'll be good. All right. So first up, we have Megafire, who uh, explores what it means to be, quote unquote, good, pointing out how Ryan for a long time chose to do the right thing, not out of a sense of empathy, but out of self-interest, and how maybe all that matters is that from the outside, he was doing good and avoiding bad. Megafire then goes into the idea that the dream room is a particularly cruel shard in- intervention that basically serves as the opposite of therapy. That's I like that. Yeah, um, I, I think there's kind of a couple of genres to, to these answers. Uh, w- one of one of the genres is yes, of course he's he's to blame, and here's why. The other genre is what is blame really? Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, and and this is this is one uh, Megafires was one of the uh, uh, what is it to be good really? What yeah. what is what is right and wrong? Well, I think we um, specifically put blame in quotes there because yeah. we wanted to kind of invite that kind of uh, inspection. Yeah, um, right, right. Because blame is one of those words that means many things. Yes, yes. Farm Fresh Hornets um, has the best name ever and starts <laughs> by saying yes. Uh, but um, this is the kind of thing that needs to be assessed on a case-by-case basis. Cradle lacks empathy, but he understands moral and legal rules. He deserves blame because he knows that people will find his actions monstrous if he gives in his desires. Farm Fresh Hornets also reminds us that Cradle and Rain bleeding out, uh, sorry, Cradle had Rain bleeding out on the floor of a barn in the Fallen Raid, 
And he could have ended all this if he hadn't wanted to go the extra mile and just torture him. Which is interesting, right? Um, Why did he do that? I don't know. Is, is, Is it literally what we learn later that they, he was trying to, he wanted to drain rain similar to the way he drained, uh, love lost and, and Colt was that his ultimate goal with rain actually not just to kill him, but to drain him of his power first. I mean, it makes, it makes, it kind of makes a lot of things make more sense that way because he hired operator red, right? Yeah. Like, like cradle could have just crushed him like instantly Mm -hmm. with, with the giant invisible like mech thing that he had in the room. Um, but instead he uses Operator Red, who's like an expert at cutting people apart while not killing them. So that's like, that makes perfect sense to me that he would have this guy there on staff specifically to make him bleed out without killing him. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, cool. So Murroyd, sorry, brings up free will. It's your favorite topic, Matt, and chooses to draw a line of personal responsibility around a mental decision engine that makes choices and that you can assign credit and blame to this decision engine. Therefore, Cradle is responsible for his own choices, and a lot of them are very bad. Thus, he is to blame. Yep. So that decision, it's that decision engine's fault. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, basically, this is one of the, I think, one way that people try to bring some some kind of coherence to the idea of blame is to say like i'm gonna i'm gonna draw i'm gonna pick a a part of the human and say that that is you and then we can coherently say that you are to blame because otherwise if if you don't know where to draw the line around a person then then the concept of blame doesn't quite add up sure um, yeah. yeah fip industries discusses how they empathize with cradle quite a bit they say that cradle can't be blamed any more than you can blame a feral dog for biting or a child for being childish of course this does doesn't mean that he shouldn't be stopped um but it does seem like blame is the wrong word um there were a couple of people who said that they uh and this is matt talking now that there were a couple of people who said that they can relate to to um to, to to ryan and i think that like i think that everyone kind of can because um like Every child starts out with minimal empathy and it takes until like your early 20s to, to fully develop your prefrontal cortex. So, so for, for a big chunk of our lives, we're, we're on this continuum of, of being at least somewhat lacking in empathy and, and kind of gradually turning it on. And um, I think some of us take longer for it to turn on than others, actually. Yeah. So um, I, I, I think I don't I don't I think I think saying that you empathize with with uh, with Ryan's character is. Um, maybe even t- typical. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I kind of, I kind of did, you know, like I, I don't, I don't now, but like I can remember a kind of feeling like that, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, and I, I really, I really appreciated, I mean, I like all our answers, but I really appreciated the answers where people were very like upfront and honest about, um, you know, the parts of themselves that they see in this character. Um, and I think that's, it's, you know, it's, I think it's, it's hard sometimes to admit things about yourself that you might not be proud of, um, or, or that you struggle with. Right. And, and I think it was very, I, 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 it's very cool when you see people, um, you know, willing to, to bring these things out and discuss them and talk about, talk about those things that they struggle with and and how they related to the character struggling with them and, um, and, and how that helps inform their, their view of, of blame and, responsibility and all these things. Um, yeah. I thought that was very cool. Yeah, I was, me too. I was kind of touched that people are willing to, you know, explore themselves publicly like that. Yeah, me too. That was one of the ways in which I was surprised by the answers that we got. Yeah. Because I mean, this is, I mean, like, I, I don't think, I don't think 
cradle is every like there's not like one side of this right like like cradle is cradle is a unique case with unique issues and unique problems but there are people that suffer from things similar to him and 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 have um have difficulties in in their life that are similar to the way he processes information sure um i think it's 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 cool hearing from those people yeah yeah i agree sorry that was an aside um sure Sarah Penguin agrees that blame doesn't seem like the right word, but responsible might be more accurate. He has no choices about what emotions he can feel. He didn't choose parents who were perfect enablers. Sarah goes on to sketch four cradles, worst baby in the world, cradle who doesn't understand consequences, young teen Ryan starting to understand consequences and the value of doing nice things for others, post gold morning pre-trigger Ryan who has internalized the value of doing nice things and avoided bad things, and lastly post-trigger cradle who gets knocked down and decides to drag everyone else with with him. Um, yeah. Yeah, that is there are four cradles. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I I mean and that's kind of how it's broken up textually too, not 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 precisely like that, but um, it, it's a good way of explaining his his trajectory there. Yeah, and I think Sarah Penguin uh, channels what I think the book concludes on right that that blame might not be right, but you know taking responsibility might be more apt. Yeah, yeah. Um, Benthic Kraken says uh, yes, absolutely. They focus um, they focus specifically on the fact that Cradle is certainly wrong to blame other people for his choices like that's <laughs> that that's definitely wrong uh, there was nothing about his power compelling him toward violence in the same way that you know for example rachel or, or noel were benthic kraken describes cradle as a classical tragic hero whose tragic flaw is his inability to trust others because if he had just told his cluster mates how the personality bleed worked then at least snag and love lost um could have like helped him with it and yeah. i thought i thought that was really interesting this idea that like the problem isn't that he's like a violent you know monster it's 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 that it's that if he had just reached out to to people like like his old friends or his his cluster mates then they could have helped him through this challenge that he was facing and he could have solved it without any violence yeah i think you're right because one of the things we do see or one of the things i think we're forced to conclude is he makes his most progress when he's around those two people that he ends up calling friends. Right. Yeah. Um, that is, that is when he makes his most progress. So being around genuine people that care about you and, and are friends with you and, um, can aid you no matter what kind of, um, you know, disorder you have. And he chose not to do that. Like yeah. he chose to manipulate yeah. instead of, instead of cultivate. And, that is that is very true. Maybe those people could have worked through there. There was there's a yeah, was it, I think it was a was a megafire that called it a inversion of group therapy. Um, uh-huh. But it could have been like it could have been a group therapy. Right. These these people could have sat around a table every night and talked about their shit because they get to do something that no one else gets to do. They get to experience things through each other's eyes. Yeah. Um, and and that could have been a path to real kind of community and and them coming together. Um, but, but cradle manipulated that and controlled that and changed the dreams and manipulated the dreams. And yeah. 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 I like that. Cool. 
Uh, Faye Dragon also mentions empathizing somewhat with Ryan, specifically lacking motivation, motivating feelings of morality. But they say Cradle definitely has a functioning sense of morality to the extent that he has successfully lived a very moral and upstanding life for a very long period of time. And in the end, Cradle chose to undo his growth, to work against the moral sense he had cultivated, despite this not really being necessary. So uh, despite emphasizing with with uh, with Cradle, uh, Faye Dragon says, yeah. 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 I, I like that answer. I like this idea that um, regardless of whether he found the moral feelings motivating, he clearly understood them because he demonstrated them via his life. I like that. Right. Right. Hero of Old Iron uh, contrasts Rain and Cradle and says, I'm going to quote this bit here. Uh, the question that needs to be answered before you can blame either of them is at what point they were able to make a fully informed choice with an awareness of the consequences of their actions. And I think for both of them, that point comes when they're first confronted by the guilt they face from what they're doing. And then he goes on to say that the critical juncture where Rain decides, you know, sorry, at the critical juncture, Rain decides to try to make up for what he's done and Cradle immediately decides that he's going to kill everyone so he doesn't have to feel bad anymore. So, yeah, like it's, it's, the, it's the decision they make when they're facing their own their own feelings that that actually matters i think that's pretty interesting i like i went like the way he framed that a lot yeah yeah kausubalu says of course but also he's not solely responsible he probably has a diagnosed personality disorder didn't have a proper support from family or or institutions and then got fucked by the shard so kind of <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's a good answer yeah, it's kind of where I'm at. There were also I, I noticed there were a lot of answers where where the person would begin their answer by saying, "Yes, of course, of course, he's to blame," and then and then over the course of the next fourteen paragraphs, their answer would become increasingly like hedged and, and nuanced, and, <laughs> right. and, and kind of end with like, "So in the end, uh, we live in a society." Um, bisexual punch party says, "Of course." No one was forcing him to commit those actions, and he knew their conse- he knew what their consequences would be. Uh, even the shard is merely whispering and nudging, not magically erasing agency. Um, so this this is certainly the most like straightforward interpretation of of blame of just like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Of course he's to blame. Yeah. <laughs> who else? Who else would be? Sure, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Regvlas says yes, unless you're going to argue that nobody is really to blame for anything. Shut up, Matt. <laughs> uh, the point. <laughs> They point out all of the many, many options Cradle actually had laid out in front of him, including getting help with his issue from any number of corners. But instead of but instead, he chose to solve it in a violent way that didn't involve asking anybody for help. And I think this this uh, harkens back to Benthic Creighton's post about his flaw being an inability to trust. Yeah, that's very true. That's uh, that uh, those, those are very similar answers that that they Victoria's reach out is not part of cradle's mantra oh yeah good point to his detriment yeah i like that i like that connection there still hex explores blame as a social mechanism that promotes beneficial behavior and mitigates bad behavior we only we only levy blame when that corrective um effect can actually apply which is why we don't blame people who are mind controlled for example we do blame cradle because he's demonstrated an, an ability to change and yet his choice was to choose the bad path I like that as a very a very functional societal view on what blame is. Yeah. yeah, I actually kind of prefer that as like the way that I prefer to use the word is like as a as a as a mechanism. Yeah, yeah. 
Kuchortu says it's worth acknowledging that Ryan had to do a lot of work to overcome the hand he was dealt. They point out that Rain is an excellent foil here because Rain grew up in a terrible situation and absorbed terrible beliefs, but now suffers intense guilt about those actions because of who he intrinsically is. Rain was innately good with bad surroundings. Cradle was innately, quote unquote, bad with good surroundings. Both were shocked back into their natural state by the mall incident. That's good. And I, I'm glad we put bad in quotes here because it's it's a very it's a very yeah. subjective bad. Right. Like, I, I don't think yeah. I don't think we want to say that anyone uh, with with Rain's particular personality disorder is inherently bad. They are just different. Right. Yeah. And 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 this almost the, the to me, this almost leaves. I mean, I'm someone who's like doesn't believe free will exists, but the, I, I still feel <laughs> like this kind of leaves Ryan off the hook a little bit because, um, yeah, like like he 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 definitely didn't have to go back to being completely you know remorseless, um, and and destructive. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, anyway, uh, Charles Arl says yes, but it's not clear cut. A lot of the blame can be laid on a grasping self, uh, but the way. Um, the way that that Cradle reacts to feeling guilt from Rain's tokens is his own choice. Yeah, I like that. I, I mean, I think that's the the central thing to me is um, the first time he felt emotion, his reaction to it was, "Nope." <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, but and and my thing there is like, I'm not sure. Like, like this is one of those exact cases where I'm like, I don't think, I don't think it's, I don't think it, I don't think it's your choice to react really strongly to bad emotions. Like, I, I don't know that I, I guess that's, that's where I differ from most people is, is what I call a choice. It's like, do you choose to feel bad? No. Do you choose to want the bad feelings to go away? No, that's, that's natural and automatic. Um, if you've never have experienced dealing with this kind of bad feelings before, then can you be blamed for like going with the first response that comes to your mind yeah, but um, what if the first response that comes to your mind is kill all those people to make the feelings go away? Well, that's the thing is, is it's like, and and I think somebody later on is going to give the answer that I would give. So I don't want to get to it prematurely, okay, but well, it, let's just, yeah. yeah. Let's, okay. Okay. Sure. Uh, I will ask for you. Wolf Tamer nine. Yeah. 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 Wolf Tamer nine says, yes, people can't be held accountable for the people's society or a skin of, or, or inescapable parts of nature turn them into, but must be held accountable for the things those people do. Not sure I can justify this with any underlying logic, except for the fact that we wouldn't have a functional system of morality otherwise. Yeah, I think that's, again, this sort of like um, mechanistic explanation of like, look, that's just how this is just how things have to be or the whole world breaks down. Yeah, Um, (laughs) uh, which 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 I think actually makes sense. Yeah, which is why, like, I like I like your I like your opinion on free will um, and on on blame and all these things like theoretically. But I think once we start getting into like day to day decision making, um, it doesn't really work. Yeah, because <laughs> it's well, like yeah. And, and your- the thing is, I I probably would make exactly the same um, choices as, as you when it comes to like what to do about a given bad act or or or, or bad actor right. in my personal life. Um, but so 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 ultimately, what's the point? The point is to just understand <laughs> like what it is to be a person. Yeah. And, and I mean, it, it, that, those yeah. things, those things might broadly make you be able to empathize, um, with, with people that you normally wouldn't be able to. Right. Yeah. That's um, a big part of it too. You're just like, well, I mean, yeah, precisely. 
Um, so we're already to the, to the question that I wanted to, to the answer that, that I was referencing. So okay. here's Placid pla, pla, Placid Platypus. Um, so they say the correct truth, uh, which so you're is just passing judgment there, which, okay. which, which is that uh, blame or responsibility isn't really a coherent concept and that edge cases like this are good for showing exactly why that is. Cradle made bad choices, but those choices were influenced by many factors well outside of his control. So what does it mean to say he is to blame? Should he be punished uh, is a bit more of a clear-cut question, and the answer to that is probably yes. Um, and, and I mean, I, I, like this is literally the answer that I would have given. Like, like <laughs> sh- sh- should he be punished, while not a 100% clear-cut, is much more clear-cut than um, is he to blame? And, and partly because, like you said at the at the very top, like blame is a is just not a, a term that that is that solidly defined. Yeah. You know, um, everyone kind of has their own little mental model of how that works, as we're seeing in these answers. Yeah, I so. mean, I think the dictionary definition says to assign responsibility, right? Um, yeah, and that I mean, even even responsibility is a word. That, right. I mean, the problem is that doesn't like that doesn't like. Yeah, push. It doesn't like clarify anything. Yeah, well, and I like. I mean, specifically, what one thing I like about this answer is, is to say like this, 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 this cradle situation is is exactly the kind of edge case that you would bring up if you were like having a philosophical debate about the concept of blame, and you'd say like, well, do you blame someone who, blah 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 blah, and therefore they made some terrible choice when they really couldn't have made any other choice, and it and it's like, well. At that at that point, the the word just sort of ceases to mean anything. Sure. So, yeah. Anyway, Liquid Brent Ben frames the question of blame as one where you essentially account for the influence of outside factors such as alien-based death powers and personality disorders, and possibly count them towards clemency, but they don't erase the sin. So basically, like when deciding whether you're going to blame something or not, your final conclusion includes all these things, um, and mm-hmm. and whether or not. So, so their definition of blame blame encapsulates all of those things that we've been talking about. It's included in their definition. Yeah, yeah, and and the idea of clemency implies like you're not just assigning blame; you're also um, deciding on what the consequences are going to be. Yeah, so it makes sense to me. Anti Chris, last answer um, says, "Yep, yep, yuppers." <laughs> um, also, they remind me that rain that ryan uh may be the only person this arc to explicit to explicitly reference heaven so thanks for that um and you know the the place people are trying to get to by doing good things and that's why they do good things uh anyway anti-chris makes a really excellent point which is that if ryan's framework for dealing with upsets to his life was this fragile then even if cultists and shards hadn't come along to ruin his day something else probably would have eventually yeah and, that's and, true. and they finish up by saying cradle was inevitable um to which I can't help but respond, if it was inevitable, then how can he be to blame? But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> like, Matt, if Judas was destined to betray Jesus. Then and, how can and we be mad how, at him? Why we, why we hate Judas so much? Yeah. If his betraying of Jesus, Jesus made the crucifixion happen. Which which absolved us all of our sins. Yeah. I mean, basically. Like this is so confusing. It, it is confusing. It's really confusing, <laughs> and that ends our Bible study. Ugh. Um, this is why. This is why when we start talking about determinism or, or free will, it, I just my head just starts hurting. I know. It's, it's like it's good. It's a good pain. Work through it. Ugh. <laughs> 
Uh, All right. Yeah. Great questions, everyone. Thank you so much. That this this section took a while this week, but I think it's okay. Um, it uh it's a complicated issue and and we appreciate all you guys attempts to explore it in your own way um once again uh even though matt said otherwise there was no right answer <laughs> to yeah. that question i, I mean I, I think it's honestly more fun if i like inject my opinion no I, I, I'm, yeah i'm yeah. kidding like yeah. Yeah. you have you have your belief system i think it's great i think you think about this a lot and you, you it's a very well articulated yeah. argument and the alternative would just be us like reading the answers and being like good Good words, everyone. The end. Um, <laughs> there, you, heard, you heard it here first, guys. Good words, everybody. Yeah, yep. You keep on wording those you, words. Yep. You do You do that thing more. Uh, so here's the new discussion question for this coming week. Breakthrough is in bad shape. Who is currently in the worst place? Yeah. So I, I don't actually know if we want to go down these one by one. Maybe we'll let the question do that. But yeah. like uh, every single person on this team, Kenzie included, if you think about it, uh, has suffered royally. Uh, over the cross of over the course of this arc and who do you think is the worst off yeah and why yeah yeah tell us all of the things all of the horrible things that are going on with everyone yeah it's a very cool. uplifting question yeah absolutely all right so let's do let's do some march madness let's do it i'll let you drive because tell us the i, I guess we can take turns on on the results right yeah. Yeah. Um, so we are this week. We we're talking about the results of the Sweet 16. So there were eight matches we have to go through um, and we will start with, uh, well, the first one. <laughs> All right. We will start with and I just lost the page. I, I opened this up before we started, so I wouldn't do this. And now I'm doing well, it. the, the from, from last week, the Aleph bracket um, was Skitter versus Jessica Yamada. Yes, th thank you. Um, so here's some, we'll do some comments first, right? Okay. So sure. um, <laughs> Chubbs says there's always a need for a therapist over a predator. <laughs> um, <laughs> so they <laughs> voted for Jessica Yamada. Uh, Thunderbutter, these names are wonderful, uh, says therapy power is the most necessary power in the universe. Jessica also has the unique power to realize she has possibly made a mistake and take steps to correct it instead of only realizing it when it's too late, which is a dig on Taylor. Um, so two people in the comments, obviously we're team Jessica on this. Unfortunately, Matt team Jessica did not win the day. Uh, Skitter, our number one overall seed picks up this one. 74% to 26%. Not very close. Not very close and and not terribly surprising that the protagonist would beat the uh psych psychologist who appears in like two chapters but um yeah, yeah. but people really like Jessica. They do. They do. That's true. The next matchup was Clock Blocker versus Contessa. <laughs> and we have um we have uh, Iron saying guess this clock is finally getting blocked. <laughs> Um, King Bob says Dennis is second best boy and I love him. Hashtag bring back clock blocker and Thunder Butter once again says the issue with Contessa is that she is too little of a character. Um, so we have some some clear fans of clock blocker, um, some clear fans of Jessica here. And the vote reflects that, Matt, because this was a close one. Yeah, very close. Fifty three percent. Yeah. 53% in favor of uh, clock blocker. So Dennis wins and advances to the elite eight. Uh, the path to victory for Fortuna did not exist. <laughs> uh, it's, it's good. <laughs> Somehow she's going to 
pull it out though, right? Yeah, suddenly she'll be in the final four and we'll be like, yeah. wait, what? Right, right. Uh, next bet bracket. Oh boy, this oh is a my, tough one. Oh my goodness. This is oh a tough goodness. one, Matt. This is, this is terrible. So the first matchup is Tattletail versus Bitch. Rachel versus Lisa. Oh, Matt. Uh-huh. This is a... Uh, we got Zing Stick says, thanks, I hate it. <laughs> Kuchortu says this was awful I don't know who to blame for this but somebody is surely to blame yeah I feel I feel I feel similarly uh uh responsible somehow yeah and um Megafire says I absolutely adore Lisa but I cannot in good conscience vote against Rachel which was also my vote I agreed I voted for for Rachel but Matt who won tattletale won 59 to 41%. Tattletale has been kind of dominating her votes and I think this was the closest any of them ever got. I think I think Tattletale is going to have a road to the finals and Rachel was the last best hope to stop her. But I don't think it's going to be happening. Yeah, yeah, it is pretty close actually. You're right. It's I mean it's it's closer than uh Skitter and and Jessica. Yeah. Next Very sad. Next bracket Defiant Versus Bonesaw, just a wonderful matchup. Um, another pretty close matchup, actually. Any, yeah. any comments on this one? Kyrgyzstan says that they're with you, that Worm wouldn't be Worm without Bonesaw. So they voted for Bonesaw. Yep. Um, Andrew says, I love Defiant, but his reasons for being a dick are a bit less serious than restitching your dying parents over and over. <laughs> so a lot of pro Bonesaw people here. Pro, pro, pro Bono Saw. <laughs> It's interesting how many uh, comments we're getting from the losers. Um, <laughs> I know. Because I know. yet again, uh, Defiant takes it with 57% of the vote. Yep. Uh, we do have Reisman who said uh, Bonesaw is fantastic, but Defiant's arc is so good. But Bonesaw's interlude, I believe this decision right here might be my trigger event. <laughs> awesome. The next bracket, the Gimmel bracket, we had Dragon versus um we don't have too much here uh thunder butter says ghosters before toasters <laughs> voting for valkyrie and uh miko says ai with real personality and character development plus love story equal win so we have two comments one for valkyrie one for dragon uh who won dragon won with 72 percent not um, close not close at all yeah, I mean, after 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 Valkyrie beat Vista, um, we were expecting maybe a stronger showing, but no, utterly crushed by by the AI queen of of dragons. I feel like Vista might have done better in that vote. Yeah, me too. Me too. Uh, who do we blame for this? You. Yeah, I guess so. Next matchup: Regent versus Number Man. Uh, closer than I thought this one was going to be. We have yeah. one comment. It's from King Bob who says, Alec is best boy and I will hear no quarrels against him. Hashtag shard hell can bring him back. Uh, uh, excellent. Sure. Um, yeah. Regent takes it with 56%, which is very close. Yeah. Yeah. Goodbye. Number man. Scrapes by calculate this. <laughs> didn't you didn't calculate your probability of winning accurately enough. Kurt. <laughs> All right, now we are moving on to the final area of the bracket, the Earth Shin bracket. Um, 
this is the setup for the Dallin Bowl. First match. Is it going to happen? We have uh, Imp versus Glory Girl. Um, I don't know. What, what do people say, Scott? Flymite says, let the sisters fight. Uh, Cecilia says, chanting to myself, based solely on the information from Worm, based solely on the information from Worm, based solely on the information from Worm. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, it seems like a lot of people succeeded in that chant because Imp takes it with 63%. Um, kicking, Bye, Victoria. Kicking out Ward, Ward protagonist, tragically. Oh. I guess I understand. I guess I understand. I'm, I I'm not mad, everyone. I'm just disappointed. I suppose. I suppose. And then finally, the final matchup of the Sweet 16 was also the closest matchup in all of March's Madness. We have Panacea versus the Seamurg. And uh, <laughs> Flymite is saying, Dallin Bull, Dallin Bull. Uh, Placid Platypus says, I am deeply disappointed at everyone who has voted for an Endbringer in this bracket. And in conclusion, with an astonishingly close vote, uh, it ended up being, I think, less than 30 votes between the two. Panacea beats the Seamurg 51 to 49 percent. Yep. So we've got in the next in the next matchup, it's going to be Imp versus Panacea, which I wonder who's going to win that one. Yeah, let's move right into making <laughs> making our selections for yeah. next week. We're in the Elite Eight. We got four matchups. Matt. Earth Aleph, the winner of the Aleph bracket, Skitter or Cock Clock Blocker? Who you got? Who are you going to vote for? I think I'm going to go with Skitter. I mean, she's just awesome. She's just great. Mm -hmm. I just love her. Well, in that case, I'm voting for Dennis. You son of a bitch. (laughs) Canceled out. We're now canceled Um, out. I think think we should say something to those of you who have not voted yet. we're, We're having a weird issue with this poll. Um, it's bugged, <laughs> but it, I mean, it's, it seriously is. Um, <laughs> I've, I've put a direct link to the poll on the website. So if you go there and see some weird bugged version, click the link, you can vote there. Um, sorry about that. We literally don't know why this is happening. Next matchup, earth bet tattletale versus defiant. Ooh, who you got Matt? I mean, I feel like this deserves just like a lot more thought than we have time to put in right now. <laughs> like, like way more because I mean, see, this is actually really, this is actually hard for me because I actually find them kind of interesting in the same way where they're like complex. They've, they've both got a lot of character flaws um, that they, that they kind of like work to overcome um, and maybe are more or less successful. I feel like if we're, I feel like if we're just sticking with worm, I kind of want to go with defiant. Maybe that's sacrilegious, but that's that's what my gut is telling me right now. And I've learned through all these years to go with my gut. Well, I think, frankly, your gut has shit for brains. You gonna cancel me out again? <laughs> no, I'm not actually. Um, I, I, I. Lisa's great. I like Lisa. Uh, defiant. I, I, I'm a sucker for the defiant like characters, right? Like, yeah. I think that's. That's the type of character I just I, I kind of gravitate towards, and uh, I like him. I just yeah. I will never remember I will never forget the fact that I called him the tick like in the first <laughs> the first time we met him. Yeah, and it turned out to be so much different. Um, he he was a he was a wonderful surprise for me. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting to me that like at, at this point the matchups are actually pretty hard, and it's forcing me to really consider like 
what I value in characters actually because like before it was kind of obvious it was kind of straightforward like obviously that character is better than this one or or mm-hmm. I, I care about them more or I see them as more complicated obviously yeah but now I'm like we're, we're getting to the end and I'm like well these are all uh, everyone on this list is a great complicated character I really have to think about it sure yeah all right Gimmel dragon versus regent this should be an easy one for Matt I bet I could predict exactly who he's already clicked on Regent. (laughs) Of course you did. Um, uh, I don't know. I think I'm going to go Regent surprisingly. That's just like, as I was sitting here trying to make up my mind, Regent was playing in my head more than dragon was for some reason. Um, yeah, deserves it. That heroic end, he deserves it. I know. I feel like there are so many scenes. There's so many regent scenes that just get me, mm-hmm. and there are some with dragon too. But I just, just, I don't know. Regent just does it for me. Final matchup: Earthshin Imp versus Panacea. I think Matt. I think <laughs> we all know. Re- Amy's reckoning has finally come. Yeah, I think we all know the answer to this question. Amy has, out of any of the characters on this this bracket um she is the one that has scraped by <laughs> with the lowest percentage of votes so far and, and the uh, thing is i i think she's a f- fantastic character yeah i love her um this is this is almost for me entirely about who i like more <laughs> i definitely that, like it is more. that not what the whole thing is well we'll see part of part of my rubric is like is like um I think I mentioned this last time, like how much would it harm the story if you just like magically erase this character from the story? Sure. And, um, which is like a terrible Sophie's choice actually. (laughs) Um, but like I, I, uh, in this case I just like imp. She's just fun. So, and, and I mean, in that sense, if you erased imp from the story, then you'd actually be sucking a lot of the like levity out in the comic relief and a lot of scenes. So that would harm the story a lot. So it works in both ways. Well, I just went to vote for Imp, and it told me, thank you, we have already counted your vote. <laughs> so apparently I voted on this one on Sunday, and I don't remember which where I went. <laughs> I think I went to Imp. I would, I would guess that. Yeah. I, I love Aisha. Um, I, nothing would make me happier than seeing Aisha the winner of this tournament. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen, but uh, <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. Yeah, my favorite my favorite thing in, in Ward is learning that um her, that she took the name Imp despite the fact that someone else already had the name and yeah. she doesn't care. It's so wonderful. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that is our last matchup. Uh, next week we will be at the final four. Um, the winner, the way we're doing the final four is the winner of the Aleph match will play Gimel, and the winner of the Bet match will play Shin. Um, so it's it's winner of Skitter Clock Blocker against um dragon regent and winner of tattletale defiant against winner of imp and panacea and so that'll be our our final four matchup so um not that that should influence your vote in any way just pick between those the the two but uh that's that's the way it's going to shake out so uh go ahead and and vote it's once again it's doofmedia.com slash march madness get your votes in the poll closes on sunday and then we move into our final four we're getting near the end it's almost over yeah so many dead characters so, so excited tragic. i know i know does everyone realizes they're dead right they're not coming I, back. i've been i've been emphasizing that yeah. marches is brutally slaughtering them yeah i know it's really sad it's 
it's really painful that we were doing this actually. So anyway, that's all we got for you this week on We've Got Ward. You guys are all part of this show, so feel free to provide us with advice, questions, or thoughts on this week's reading. You can reach us via email at gotwormpod at gmail.com or over on our Twitter account at gotwormpod. My personal Twitter is at scottdaily85 and Matt's is at mordenamail. I did it. You did it. If you're not already subscribed to We've Got Ward, we recommend you do so and never miss an episode. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, Google Play, and pretty much all the other podcasting platforms. And as always, you can find this and all the other shows we do over at doofmedia.com. Head on over there. Check out our other Wild Bow Focus show, Deep Impact. Um, also check out our book club, which is meeting this Friday at 9.30 p.m. on the, uh, what's that date? The 29th of this month uh, to discuss Red Seas Under Red Skies, the second book in the Gentleman Bastard series. Uh, I'm excited for that talk, so make sure you you guys attend that. Yeah, yeah, we always have a great time in those. So yeah, please, please show up. Um, and if you like any of our shows and want to support them, consider donating to our Patreon account, patreon.com slash doofmedia. You can donate a dollar a month or whatever else you can afford. Supporting us on Patreon gives you tons of great bonuses like voting in our quarterly fan art and costume contests, Q&A sessions, access to live streams of our recording sessions, and our excellent Discord chat. Um, special thanks this week to... Uh, new um, Bidoofs, Eliana, and Ferdy, both at the $1 level. Thanks we, so much, guys. Yeah, really appreciate that, and, and welcome welcome to the to the Discord and so forth. And the, as the always... Doof, the, the Doof Squad, the, Matt. Welcome the doof to squad. the Doof Squad. The Doof Squad, yes. God, it's like you don't even respect our brand. I, I, it's very hard to keep track. But, but the point is that now we can talk to them on the Discord. <laughs> And as always, make sure you go over to Wildbo's Patreon, patreon.com slash Wildbo, and donate to him as well. This is his world. We're just playing in it. And if you cannot afford to donate right now, that is absolutely okay. You can instead help us out by heading on over to Apple Podcasts and leaving us a rating and a review. This week's review comes from Modern Loki 21, who gives us two stars and says... I love Wild Bow and the Parahumans world, so I was excited to find this, but I just can't. I listened to them talk for 10 minutes about how they're, how excited they are to talk about their analysis after reading two chapters. I really did try. Well, we appreciate you trying, Modern <laughs> Loki. Um, we, we thought you might have liked the show if you listened for more than 10 minutes, but... We appreciate you trying. We said we were going to read the bad reviews too, Matt. We made a promise. Yeah. There were no more reviews, so it was time to read this one. Um, yeah. I, I don't agree with Modern Loki, but uh, I respect your opinion, and I hope you enjoy reading this book elsewhere. Yeah. I mean, since they're, they're obviously listening, um, thank yeah. you for your thoughts. Oh, they're not listening? Screw you, buddy. <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right. I'm just kidding. We're just, it's, it's all, all good fun here. Yeah. Uh, all right. That's all for this week. Next week, we'll, be, we'll yeah, be back with more of Arc 12 Heavens. Comma, 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 chameleon. I thought it was comma chameleon for a long time. And, and then I was like, karma chameleon? Karma chameleon? <laughs>